Hey everyone, Tim here. Just to give you a little bit of a heads up, uh, that there is a little bit of a audio issue that happens every now and then throughout this recording. There'll be like a little bit of a pop sound, a uh, sound that goes on every now and then. Uh, we don't know what it is. Most likely it's probably the microphone inputs that we had, and maybe it might be in the cables that might have been an issue. And so I just want to give you a little bit of a heads up that it doesn't happen throughout it it happens in and out and it's not like it's like a constant thing throughout but i just want to give you a little bit of heads up so it's not your ears it's not your headphones it's not your device going uh wrong and this is too good of a conversation you want to scrap it so i just want to give you a heads up and see what it's what it's about i hope you enjoy this episode because my friend mike and i we had a good time recording it so this is probably the last episode of 2019 hope you have a wonderful holiday season and enjoy my conversation with mike about batman arkham asylum tim for the past Take it away. Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture show broadcast in Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney, and we're back with a brand new episode. And it's an anniversary episode. It's the first of many anniversary episodes that's going to be happening. First of like 30. Yeah, between my, myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Wilson. How you doing, Mike? Hi. Yeah, and as you tell from the title, we're talking about Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> At the end of this uh, podcast, are we just going to grab the disc of the game that we're talking about and just say, I'm Batman, and toss it to the side? I hope not. Okay, because... I we- hope it's not picking up that awful static that's coming from freaking technical difficulties which are plaguing us. No, I don't think it is. I hope not. I hope not. Because that would really suck to re-record this whole thing. Yeah, it would. What? We're gonna, uh, <laughs> uh, we're gonna just have to. We're gonna roll with it. We're gonna keep rolling, rolling, rolling like a Limp Biscuit on a reunion tour. That's how we're gonna roll it right here. Ooh, <laughs> I don't want to roll like that. <laughs> As you can tell from the title, we'll talk about Batman: Arkham Asylum, the video game that came out in 2009 because it's it's celebrating its 10 year anniversary. So let's jump into that right now. <laughs> Okay, now... Uh, Hiya, Homer! Hiya, Homer! Ah, uh, jeez. You you, We're starting this with class already. Uh, I was going to say, you have a innate ability to start off a podcast with burps. With bodily functions. Yes. I, I don't know if that's on purpose or just like... It just, it's, I don't know. I think it's the tea I'm drinking. Because you drink the same tea before every episode. It's sleepy time tea to bring things down. It doesn't work. I was going to say, you figure that, like, would be, you were just, like, halfway through the episode, you'd just be like, I'm tired, can we just stop? Uh, that's just me in life. <laughs> I'm oh, tired, just, can we just stop? Like, just lethargic on life overall? Oh, yeah. You've been knowing me how long and you haven't realized this yet? No, no, yeah, I, I have. Have we I known just, each other, like, ten years or something about this time? Um, soon, like, maybe a year God. or something. Yeah, we've known each other for ten years. How does that make you feel? When's parole? (laughs) (laughs) Never. Now, what is your personal history with Batman video games overall? Since we're going to be talking about a Batman video game right now, I feel like we should give a little context of what we were like as gamers that were a fan of Batman going into this. Well, I want to say it dates back to the 89 Batman game on NES, which I have and still love, even though I can't get past level two. Still, like, you know. Isn't it only like five levels? 
It's something like five or six. Okay, but they're subdivided into multiple sub levels. Right. So. I want to say that's the first Batman game I've ever played. It probably is, and from there it you know continued mostly through the Nintendo consoles like Batman Returns on NES. Mm-hmm. I remember I got to borrow one of my aunt and uncle's Super Nintendos when they were away, and I think we rented it. Uh, Batman Returns on NES, great soundtrack by the way. Right. Um, that more more of a beat 'em up than yeah, it's uh, a side scrolling beat 'em up. But more of a, well, more of a beat 'em up than a than a platformer because you've right. got like a whole you know, surface area to walk upon instead mm. of just going straight left or right, up or down. Right, because Batman 89 was definitely a platformer. Yes. For the NES, I should uh, say. A uh, 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 murderous platformer of the NES era that right. most people would not have any different. And if you beat it, you have, like, some sense of accomplishment in life. Like, was that... I would have to... I'm assuming here, like, that, that rendition of Batman 89, that was probably released to arcades. Uh, no, that one wasn't. Really? No, Batman... I mean... There was a ton of games, like countless games, released for for that movie. You okay. Know? There wasn't just one version that was ported you know, elsewhere. Ported elsewhere or or tweaked elsewhere. You did have the. the I think I've shown you on on uh, Mame, the Batman eighty nine one had a lot of actual clips. Yes. Is a is a quarter muncher because of all the the Joker traps that'll pop out That's of nowhere. That's what I was getting at. Like I was I was just imagining that like you said your difficulty in that game past level two. I could see that being. A quarter eater, because it's like it's just like, oh no, I want to get past, it, I want to get past this, and inevitably, like, either you have to be a superhuman to defeat it in on a cabinet. Well, no, but the, 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 no two. I, I want to say no two. Batman games are like there might have been some that had some similarities. Like, um, I want to say that like the Turbo Graphics sixteen one might have also been released on another home PC. Maybe, maybe the Amiga. I'd really have to sit and look it up. But, you know, the one on TurboGrafx, completely different from NES, completely different from Arcade, extremely completely different from the, the DOS. Right. That one was a fucking clunker. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it started with Batman 89 on uh, NES. I, As a kid, I did play the arcade game, the actual arcade cabinet, and I thought I got pretty far from myself. Nice. Um, once I got my first Super Nintendo, though, which I was very late to the party of that, because my mother wouldn't buy me a console because she didn't want me in front of the TV all day. Right. So I got one a year before N64 came out. Of course. But one, two of the games I did get was Batman Returns by mm-hmm. Konami, the awesome fucking beat-em-up, mm-hmm. and Batman Forever by Acclaim, the not-so-awesome digitized... Side scro- I love that Mortal side Kombat game. Side-scrolling fighting game, practically. Yeah, it had Mortal Kombat controls. Mm-hmm. Up jumps, holding left and, and A does a sweep, down and Y is an uppercut, high punch, low punch, you have special moves as your gadgets. Mm-hmm. And that one that one um sucked a lot of balls. <laughs> like, more balls than than Cubert, I believe. Wow. Did Cubert suck balls? No, he jumped he he jumped on platforms and made them different colors. Yes. And then if you were feeling masochistic or just mad at him, you could just jump off the back of the level and kill yourself. Mm-hmm. So. Pac-Man ate balls. Pac-Man ate, Pac-Man ate pills. Pac-Man, oh. Pac-Man was a pill popper. Oh, my God. Pellets. We, we were playing a drug addict the entire time? A family drug addict? Possibly. Mm-hmm. I'd say it depends on what version. Because if, if you've only got one pixel for your, for your pellets, then it's going to look more like a pellet than a pill. Mm-hmm. A pill-popping pellet... Peckerhead. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, how far are you gonna make that alliteration go? I was, well, I was willing to go with yes. you on that ride. I am also, but I am also one of the few people that is mildly entertained by Batman and Robin on PS One. 
Yes. Because, like, we've gotten some fucking clunkers for Batman games. It pretty much, pretty much, unless you're doing, like, a beat-em-up or side-scroller, mm-hmm. it's been damn near impossible to get a good Batman game going. To be fair, it's far more consistent as good games than as Superman games. I-, I would say it's much more balanced. Yeah. In-, in good games versus bad games. Superman, I feel like some of them get too much shit. Mm-hmm. I feel like I love the Superman arcade game. Right. I used to play that as a kid, and even after, after Superman sixty four, it's like the, the the what was it Shadow of Apocalypse based off of the cartoon for like PS two. That one was cool. That one was cool. That one I've not played. I'll admit that. Well, yeah, but mostly Superman games suck. For mm-hmm. for Batman games like Batman and Robin, you that was was it? I think it was the Batman's first foray into three D. Yes, and it was his first foray into open world. Yeah, it was an open world game with actual locations from the fucking all f- spanning all four movies. I yeah. never got to see all of them because the game is so fucking poorly made and unbalanced that I couldn't get past the first. It, I couldn't get past the fucking museum heist. It, yes, I, I was able to drive to Gotham Square from Batman and Batman Returns, and that was pretty cool. That was pretty faithful. Um, Always wanted to visit Axis Chemicals though, but I couldn't unlock that part of the map. The, the biggest detriment to that game is the control scheme. It, it yep. is, it is you, switch, you switch back and forth between, like, a fighting mode and, like, a detective mode. Right. Which, it is, I, I guess you could commend it at being ahead of its time, wanting to incorporate not just a fighting game like Batman Forever, the fur claim, but have a detective mode, that, which was utilized um, even to a greater extent in the game we're going to be talking about later. But I think it was just, their hmm. Their reach exceeded their grasp. That's what I think. I feel like they just didn't know what the fuck they were doing. When it, <laughs> like, we have all these grand ideas. Okay, but how does it play? Um, play? That's good. A, that's, that, that's like, a- look, you could go to all these places. Look, you got a fully interactive Batcave. You could go up to Wayne Manor as your training place. You could visit all these places. You, you could drive three around. Characters. Play three different characters. Holy shit, this is great. Really? But how's the gameplay? What? Um, mm-hmm. What wait, do you mean? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> How does it actually play? Um, hey, and si- that- well, go ahead. <laughs> to quote Ian Malcolm, your scientists were so concerned whether or not they could do this, they didn't stop and think that they should. Yeah. But sadly, that wouldn't be the lowest point for Batman games by a long shot. Nope. Um, and you would continue playing these games. What? And you continue playing these games going forward, even after Batman and Robin. Oh, hell yeah. Like, I actually played the lowest, the, the lowest uh, point... We got, if you could get any lower, you'd fucking strike oil. <laughs> a game whose gameplay is as balanced as trying to ride a unis- uh, mini unicycle on a strand of copper wire during an earthquake. <laughs> so while, now- while drunk and being hit in the back of the head with a fucking paddle. Yet, somehow, I was able to make it work. Even for a little bit. Yeah, I was able to make it work for a little bit until it just stopped. Yeah. Until that just fell. We Batman turn- Dark Tomorrow on GameCube and original Xbox. The PS2 version actually got canceled. I wonder why. Because it was so shitty. I remember being hyped for that because the, the graphics looked awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, th- you know, things weren't what they are now. Th- like, yeah, some of the levels looked a little kind of um, claustrophobic at times. Yeah. The the rooftops looked fairly generic that you had to fly across. But, like, holy shit. Like, when they'd show, like, character renders, mm-hmm. like, high resolutions. Wow. Like, I love the one of the Joker. Robin, his, his fucking costume was spot on to the comics. Right. That version of Batman's costume at the time. When he still had the the yellow like ellipse, old, yeah, with the with the blue underwear, because mm-hmm. during the No Man's Land arc, he got rid of the blue underwear, right? Which I'm about to actually finally start reading right now. Like I'm on, I'm nearing the end of my like, 
because I gave myself a reading challenge to read from Nightfall through No Man's Land this year. And I'm just about to finish uh, Aftershock leading up into uh, Cataclysm. No Go. Well, yes, there was the there was Cataclysm, there was Aftershocks, which is like the road to No Man's Land. That's I'm at the point where Batman, well, Bruce Wayne's in Washington D.C. and he is pleading to the government for financial help to save the city. But all my all my trades are like 15 years old. Yeah. So I need I need to get some of the more expanded even, ones. Even the ones I have like it doesn't have everything because Yeah. Comics. Well, I I want I need to re-get all three parts of Nightfall with Both Night the, Quest and Prodigal. Right. All I have is Nightfall parts 1 and 2 and Night's End. I I I still think Prodigal is uh I think Prodigal might be collecting that or might not be. It might be separate. I can't remember. It's, it's in the last part. I remember okay. looking at that because I remember for the longest time, Prodigal got its own release and then was out of print. And it was like a collector's item. Right. I mean, DC's been kind of like a hit or miss when it comes to their collected editions because they were supposed to release a hardcover collection of the Steve Englehart and Marcel Rogers run from the mid-70s into early 80s. But I don't know where they just canceled it despite the pre-orders. So, And I do have the very first uh, trades released of Nightfall, parts one and two. Really? Yep. That's dope. The, the Arkham Asylum trade that I read before this is a from a first printing of 1989. Nice. So, which a friend of mine gave me, and I'm just like looking at it, like, sure, it's not going to be, I, if I want to, I don't know, like I would say, like made it a collector's item. It's been, it is kind of beaten up, but I'm like, it's still a first edition. But after Batman Dark Tomorrow, after Batman Dark Tomorrow, we did still get some more Batman games. There was uh, Batman Vengeance and Rise of Sinsu based on the animate the new animated series. Yes. Not half bad. I mean, and also go to go back earlier on Super Nintendo, there was the uh, Batman animated series game I played. Right, which believe, has has a lost episode in there. Yeah, I do believe. I think that that was the Sega CD version. I think. Really, wasn't on the Super Nintendo. I don't think so. Okay. Well, I mean, Super Nintendo cartridge ain't gonna store a fucking episode on it. Good point. C- Sega CD would, but it horrifically low quality. Yes. Yeah, uh, Sega Batman games. I have the least amount of experience with, and mm-hmm. and other platforms. I I mean I. I you know, played them over the years. I'm talking about the ones I like played growing up. Right. Excuse me. Nice. More tea. But yeah, you had those. You had uh, Batman Begins, which I heard wasn't half bad. It yes. Emphasized the stealth element mm-hmm. based on the movie. We did not get a Dark Knight game. I do remember reading something that some kind of licensing deal was just not taken advantage of at the time, which is baffling. A shame because a y- when this when Arkham Asylum here was announced, the Dark Knight had just come out, and the iron was hotter than ever to fucking strike. Right. And um, for me, like, I have a very similar history with it. I did not play Batman 89 um, on the NES. I think NES. you played it for the first time at my house a yes, few years ago. Yes, a few years ago, because I had seen, obviously, I had seen, like, walkthroughs on YouTube, and I had seen, obviously, the AVGN do the review of it on his collection, his, like, overview of Batman games. Um, but I did play Batman Returns on the Super Nintendo. That was the uh, uh, Batman game that I played the most. And that's something I didn't own. That's another rental like you, but I would rent that constantly. And I think... Um, well, I rented Batman Returns on NES. I owned Super Nintendo one. Oh, okay. Yeah. That and Batman Forever, which the less we speak of that... And I did play the Batman Forever arcade game also, which got ported to Sega Saturn. I I owned Batman Forever on uh, for was that was for Super Nintendo, and I even had the Tiger with us. <laughs> I even had the Tiger handheld game of that, where it's like where it's like beep 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 beep. 
little, like that. little LCD images that light up according to what you're doing. Exactly. I did not play Batman Dark Tomorrow, um, other than until with that one time I played a year. Until, until yeah, you got curious. But I guess we all get curious with bad, with bad things every now and again. Of course. I mean, I, I mean, I think that's why people start smoking. It is yeah. like that. But. Um, Batman Vengeance, I remember playing a lot. As a, that was a rental as well. I did not play The Rise of Sun Tzu. That I, neither of those I played. Vengeance like... was a lot of fun because it was playing, at the time, a high-res version of Batman, the new Adventures of Batman and Robin. And since I'm a huge fan of that uh, entire show, so that's why I, I fell in love with it. Batman Begins, I remember owning as well. I still got to get that. I, well, I do want to get that. It's a lot of fun. And, and you, it does rely on, besides stealth fear, and you want like, to intimidate... Um, people's in order to gather information out of them very much like it would be an idea that we later use on in the Arkham series. Um, and I remember the only time I owned a Microsoft a product was I had a 360 at one point because it was cheaper than the PS3. And that's when I... That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but which one... But with that in mind, which one of those two systems failed more often? Yep, good point. Um, I, but I, I guess the the, the the old adage of like you buy cheap, you buy twice kind of thing. Um, so well, by I, the time the Xbox 360 Elite came by, they they learned their lesson. Yeah, and I know this because I remember uh, this independent game store that was by the mall that we used to yes. live by, or I used to live by, and that you still do. Mm-hmm. Uh, play and trade. I wish they were still around. Mm-hmm. I wish more of them were still around. I don't even know if the one that's left is on Long Island still. There used to be like seven of them. It was great. It was either playing trades, and then there was Funko Lands that were eventually taken over by GameStop. The Funko Land was before that. That was right. 90s. Yeah. I remember going there as a kid. Mm-hmm. One guy behind the counter was a fucking asshole. Like, <laughs> Can I play this? No. It's like, I thought they let you try it before. You buy it? Like, no. Whatever. Fuck him. He's yeah. probably dead from eating too many Hot Pockets. <laughs> Hot pockets in Mountain Dew. <laughs> obviously, obviously that there is no grudge still held by you at all. None whatsoever. <laughs> so what about... If I could find his grave, I would piss on it. Oh, my God. I would pour Mountain Dew on it. Because <laughs> that probably is what got him there. <laughs> Water the flowers on his grave with Mountain Dew. I wouldn't do that. And they I... decay just like his insides when he drank too much Mountain Dew. No, if I resurrect him, all you know. No. Like, eh, it's I not the fucking that. acid rain from Return of the Living Dead. Oh, jeez. I mean, like, every time... I've... It's rare. I mean, like, I'll, I'll maybe have, like, a, a soda, like, once or twice a month or something like that. I mean, or... And it's rarely that I, I venture over to Mountain Dew, but, like, I'm so glad I've given that up yeah. because, like, that that is just drinking, like, just sugar. Well, well, like I was saying with plane trade and stuff, I, we, they had a, a worker there who was good at doing, like, repairs and shit, and he had, like, three Xbox 360s, all three, like, revisions at the time. I think it was, like, the... the Arcade, the core, and the elite mm-hmm. all opened up that he was repairing. And he's like, what, what's wrong with, what, what's different about this? We look at the fucking elite. There's a big fucking heat sink right on top of the processor that was not there in the other two. It's like, oh, okay. So something simple like, hmm, a heat sink, you know, to dr- as if, as if something to draw heat away from your processor, kind of like a computer does, you know, like what a, what a world we live in. A heat sink, as if the heat sinks into it. Is lifted off and dissipates, hmm. and they go even further. On the one I have, the Xbox 360s, they would put a f- an exhaust fan atop said heat sink, mm-hmm. thus further dissipating heat. So it turns your video game system into a um, 
Well, I've already referred to my P- old PS3 as the space heater. That's what I'm saying. And, like, and you know why, because when that fan gets going, it's, it's fucking, and the heat drawn from it, that's why the thing is currently fucked and why it probably could have been preventable if I was just smarter. Oh, because there were times where it's the, it's the dead of winter. I'm over here. And it heats my fucking bedroom. The window's open because it's that hot in your room because yeah. of it. It's like, Jesus Christ, it's ridiculous. I'm surprised it never caught fire. When I opened that fucking thing up and saw the dust in there, when the graph, when the, the, what is it, the GPU aspect of it started failing. Uh-huh. I'm noticing problems with the physical graphics, like glitching out and fucking up, and even when I watch YouTube. When I open that th- up, you could fucking peel the dust off and roll it into a ball. Ugh. When I uh, unscrewed the, the uh, heat sink assembly from the motherboard, it literally just fell right off because all the thermal paste had evaporated. Wow. I literally just loosened that last screw. Thud. Like... Wow, like not even, not even, a, not even like a peeling thud. No, just, you hear the sound of something peeling. Like no, it was the thermal paste completely fucking evaporated. Was that a first generation PS3? Uh no, it was the 80 gig Metal Gear Solid 4 bundle oh, okay. that came out like a year and a half later. That was the f- that was the first one, the first and last one. It was the last one to have PS2 emulation overall, but the first one to have PS2 emulation via software when they took out the Emotion Engine chip. Gotcha. But what about your history with this game, Batman Arkham Asylum? Well, I remember it being announced and just being like, cool. Not really giving a shit because yeah. of all of my previous experiences. I remember looking at the graphics. I'm like, this is a pretty neat art style. And it, But it took a long time for Batman's look to grow on me. Mm-hmm. As I've probably expressed on here before and other things, we've done other Batman shit, haven't we? Or does it date all the way back to like five years ago when we did Batman 89, an episode which has been scrapped for its low quality yeah, and I think redone so. without me? I no think hard so. feelings. This tea is still hot and your face is very close to it. So We can always do a commentary track. I know. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. Which I'm down for. Yeah. Um, but I've always been of the opinion. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of when they ha- give Batman his Batsuit look that is very technological looking. Right. You want to be like a like a... Silk suit or something like that, material rather than armor. Not even, just as, as I've always gathered, and as this is a, a big influence of this is the '89 movie, as well as the I think it was 1999 DK books they released on Batman mm-hmm. with DK book, where DK books that's the name of the publisher they would do these jet, big fucking like books, like hardcover books, not a ton of pages, but what they would do is like take any subject and literally just do like breakdowns of it. I had one of like famous monuments, famous vehicles, and they do this like exploded, like breakdown coverage of how all these things work. Right. I think I even had one for the human body when I was a kid and I'd look at the boobs and be like, (laughs) I may even still have that, but they, they released one of Batman. I know there was an updated version. They released one of Spider-Man and it would go through not only like bios of like heroes and villains with all stories taken from every era, but also there would be these illustrations of like the utility belt with all like the pouches and stuff open and how it goes. And the one they did of the bat suit described of how I think that the quote was body armor pound for pound body armor pales in comparison. The idea is that Batman's suit is this technological marvel, you know, this incredibly advanced thing on the inside, but on the outside. And I think that's more for, for, you know, ease of illustration for comic artists. The outside, it's supposed, he's supposed to just look like a man mm. to fool you. That's why I gathered from the 89 Batman, because, like, even when they're poking him with some kind of body armor, right. he's human after all. But take it's, off the mask. Take off the mask. <laughs> Shoot her! <laughs> <laughs> she screams more than you. Oh, God. I mean, I, I feel bad for Kim Basinger because she's like, 
34% of her performance in that movie is just screaming. But the idea that, like, this incredibly technically, a lot, technologically, bleh, advanced suit on the inside, that on the inside looks like most modern portrayals of the bat suit, over top, it's literally just muscles, mm-hmm. abs, pecs, you know, biceps to, to fool criminals into thinking this is just a man. How more intimidated are you if you, if you see a guy, if a guy's kicking your ass and he's wearing some technologically advanced suit, you're thinking to yourself, well, no shit. He's got some advanced tech suit. No wonder he's beating the crowd. He's got an advantage. But if a guy's beating you just as badly and you're wearing, you look at him and it's just like, he's just wearing like a suit that shows off his insane muscles and his build. It's like, holy shit, this guy is a fucking freak of nature. Yeah. That's what always, that's the type of bat suits I have always been the biggest fan of. Uh, I did enjoy the one from Batman Begins when we got to the Dark Knight with all the different pieces. I'm kind of it started losing me. It started losing me because it looked like a fucking motorcycle outfit. Not even a motorcycle outfit. It just looked like a futuristic tech suit with pointy ears and a cape, which would play into later on with the Arkham Knight suit. Which yeah. Would, oh it would, God. It would run with that idea. Yeah. But the suit. I've kind of come to the conclusion it is a decent balance. I think. I think I, I do think overall that it, they did get a, a decent balance. It has grown on me quite a lot. I right. did find myself in Arkham Knight actually playing more with the original suit you start the game with because it has more of that aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Even though the Arkham Asylum and Arkham City suit is an unlockable skin, mm-hmm. or uh, is it unlo- it's either unlockable or DLC skin. But you can wear that suit in it Arkham Knight. Might be DLC. You can wear that suit in Arkham Knight. Right. So you know. That was cool, and, you know, the closer we got to the release, the more I was interested, but I'd say the big turning point was when I first played the demo. I first played the demo at uh, the Walmart we worked at, mm. and I kind of remember, my first thoughts were like, oh, they got of War Batman, because at the time, like, God of War, you know, 1 and 2 for PlayStation 2 was, like, the hot game, and I did kind of see a lot of things kind of veering to that style. A button masher and everything. Button mashing 3D beat-em-ups. Right. So I'm watching a friend play it, and then I played it myself, and then I'm seeing the counter system in there, and I'm like, holy shit, this is totally, this isn't about fucking button mashing. No. This is totally, like, like, out of force of habit, I'll mash the strike button when I'm trying to strike people. When I know I want to stop and do a counter, I'll stop, you know, to try and time it just right. There is this heavy rhythm aspect to the gameplay of hitting, dodging, and trying to keep a flow going with your whole combo system. And we'll get into that when we talk about, like, gameplay and everything, but... That's what hooked me. Then I went home, downloaded the demo on PS3 for myself, and I was like, holy fuck, this is awesome. Nice. I'm hooked. The time I actually got to play it for the first time, though, was the sad, just like in Halloween, our Halloween 2 review, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, was the sad summer of 2009 where I spent the entire month of August uh, with my, my dad and my family in Ohio because my half-sister was losing her battle with brain cancer. Mm. But my uh, half-brother, he had gotten it for Xbox 360. So we spent a lot of that summer playing that together. At the time, my dad, last time I had been there, he did have this big, like, 55-inch TV in, like, his in like his game room, TV room, mm-hmm. which is atop the garage. The, they had, like, a disconnected garage with, like, a top floor. It was right. kind of like the guest room, I'd say. No bathroom, so if I wanted to pee, I'd just walk outside in the yard and just pee. Nice. <laughs> but it was up there, and we didn't, he didn't have that TV anymore. Like, they were playing it on – my stepbrother was – the half-brother was playing it on, like, an old – CRT, and I'm like, what happened to the big TV? And my dad said, oh, well, the heating pipe that was up there, because they did have some form of a heating system, and a lot of, because it wasn't a real apartment, a lot of the heating pipes, you know, it was a warm air furnace, a lot of the heating 
ductwork was kind of exposed throughout the the place, you know. Yeah. It, it wasn't it wasn't done in a way where like it it would be in your house where you'd have it running through walls and stuff. It was all on the outside just to heat the place because you know it's not a real like living. Right. No, it wasn't meant to be a, a living living apartment. Yeah. But he said, "Oh no! Well, the heating pipes came loose, came down and hit the t- smashed into the panel of the TV." I'm like, "Oh shit, that sucks." And they told me they want like three times the cost of the TV just to replace the LCD panel. So the thing sat in his garage for like years. So, you know, I'm sitting there and talking to my brother about it because we're, we're playing this and it is impossible to fucking read text because this was, we're playing in composite video. This was that transitional period between, you know, HDTV and SDTV where not everyone's going to have an HDTV. Mm. Not, not to make fun of the citizens of Ohio, but they, every time I went there, they did seem a little behind on things. I remember when all my friends had moved on to Facebook, they were still heavy into MySpace. People were still adding me on MySpace when I was like not even going on it some days. Uh, apologies to our uh, Ohio listeners. To our culturally challenged viewers. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I talk to one of my friends from Ohio nearly every day. Sorry. That <laughs> <laughs> you're from Ohio. No, uh, I was Whoa! I was born in Dayton, so. But, you know, it's, it's, the fucking text is so hard to read. Like when you are reading, like when the, the little message in detective mode pops up telling you like the status of like somebody or some device there. It became fucking impossible to read. Like, when it tells you how many thugs are in there, I couldn't even read what the fucking number was. And like I said, we were still playing this in composite video, not even component, because I don't even know if that TV had it. Like, mm. we have the game up right now on a CRT, and it's in um, component, and I can read that text just fine. Yeah. Also, because I've calibrated the TV, so all the brightness levels should be good. But it was <laughs> it was a bitch. I mean, I spent most of my time watching it, my mm. brother play, because it was his game, to be fair. Uh, but I would get the chance, like, when he wasn't playing it, and I'm like, this is fucking amazing. So, I had planned to buy it anyway, so one day we went to the Walmart by him, and they actually had the big collector's edition that I keep in my, uh, my room where I play all my games. Mm. And this was fun, because uh, after spending a month there, we went to, like, also this secondhand store that they loved, and that was where I got really good deals on Sega Saturn games, that's where most of mine came from. So, me trying to fucking fit this... Big-ass Batman collector's item thing. Is that the one with the battering? That's the one with the battering. I'll right. des- I will describe it. Trying to fit that and a whole bunch of Saturn games in my suitcase that I didn't come with. I'm wondering what the fuck it's going to be like going through TSA security in 2009. Oh, boy. But, yeah, it comes in this with um, in this big plastic case. In it, you have this big, like, bat-shaped plastic case that folds open at the top. And inside, you have the game with... Um, I believe a few extra pieces of DLC for because this was supposed to be a pre-order item. I guess not everyone paid the full hundred dollars or whatever it was for it, so they just put them on the shelf. Came with a, in a different case than was sold in retail. It's just a simple like like cardboard case where the whole game comes out. But it also came with this diary of Doctor Young, which had profiles of all the villains and notes. the The notes written were basically written from that character's perspective in like a little. I think it was imitation leather, like, uh, case. Journal? Journal case, yeah. Right. You had that, and then you also had a, like, Batarang that Batman uses in the game, like, full size, mm-hmm. on, like, a little stand. I was kind of disappointed by that the most, because it's just a hunk of plastic on this stand, and you, you can't get it off of there. You couldn't use it as a real weapon to kill people? Not to kill people, but I thought it would have been more authentic, you know? It, could, it doesn't even come off the stand. I bet you can saw that off the stand if you really want to. Oh, you could probably break the plastic off, but yeah. I don't want to do that because it's it's a nice little thing. 
So I still I still have all that. I got the collector's edition for PlayStation Three because that's what I had at the time. I only had PS Three. But after my sister passed, one of the things my dad did, you know, just he was feeling like shit and he wanted to he wanted to spruce things up for everyone. He bought a new TV, so I finally got to play it in full HD properly on a big fifty-five back in the day, which fifty-five inch TVs were a big deal back. If you had a fifty-five, you were you could, you were watching some good TV. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Um, I remember, I remember picking this up because we, it's at the same time we were both working at the same Walmart. I remember picking up this and Brutal Legend up at the same, the same day. And I think it was one of those days that I think I might be working on a weekend because I got it on 360, right? Yes. And I remember this specifically because it was, I worked a day shift because I was done by four o'clock. This is a weekend where I probably I opened and I was out by four o'clock and I'm like, all right, went to the electronics section after I punched out like, hey, can I have brutal legend, brutal legend and brutal legend, uh, brutal legend and um, Arkham Asylum, and I fell in love with both of those games. But I remember I had a second save at, at uh, Frank, who also worked in sporting goods with me. We I had a save of that game on, on his 360, and I end up I end up playing it more at his house I mean, because that's when we were hanging out a lot, and so. I remember beating it the first time there, and eventually being again on my system. And that time, I was trying to get most of the riddles uh, of the riddle trophies and the riddles themselves that, that Riddler put out for you. And I was so jazzed for it that I just couldn't wait for uh, Arkham City to come out afterwards. And if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Arkham City and Skyrim came out around the same time. Twenty eleven, yes. Okay, I, I was trying to think like if. I remember, I remember City being 2011. I didn't know if Skyrim was also 2011 or 2012. Yes, 2011. Okay. But, yeah, and so there's kind of like the genesis of the story is that it was Rocksteady with um, Eidos. Eidos Interactive through uh, Warner Brothers Interactive. Right. Wanted to create Warner that. Brothers would end up buying Rocksteady. Right. Warner Brothers Interactive. They would go – they would want to develop a Batman game based upon that property – and one of the early ideas that they had is they're like, okay, we want to have a somewhat of an open world idea, but they wanted to be somewhat contained. And so they had the idea of like, let's set Batman on Arkham Asylum. And so after the hiring of Paul Dini, the famous writer from the Batman animated series and comics, who is the co-creator of Harley Quinn, who features prominently in this game, they curbed ideas from Grant Morrison's uh, seminal graphic novel, Arch- Batman Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on Serious Earth, which came out in 1989, which is one of the highest-selling graphic novels overall. I mean, it's up there. I think, like, I, I, I remember this is being brought up on another podcast on um, World's Finest True Believers, a uh, friend of the show, Chris Balga. He and our friend, mutual friend Lisa, I think it was like, more than 500,000 copies of that graphic novel has been sold. And so the loose ideas of Batman going into the asylum to stop the Joker who's taken over the place, facing off against various uh, villains, was kind of the, I would say, the skeleton of what the game would end up being. But there was so much more going, going throughout. And there's a lot more to... There's more, much more specific things when it comes to Arkham Asylum that we'll get into when it comes to a certain character. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the whole uh, arc of like, uh, like so many descriptions of the the asylum itself, the whole Amadeus Arkham subplot was yes. lifted right from the fucking comic. Yeah, like, so you, like, not word for word. Not word like, for word, but 
the general idea of like Amadeus Arkham starring the asylum after his mother had gone crazy and that his family had been murdered by Mad Dog, Mad, Mad Dog Hawkins, a former patient of his that he didn't really give two shits of when he escapes. And I was rereading the comic before we did this podcast and there was a point where it's in Amadeus' point of view because the comic is split up into two perspectives of Batman's story and Amadeus' story. And Amadeus comes home and he's, he's, at, he's calling out for his wife and child and when he finds his wife, he's just like, it took me a few minutes to find her head, and it was in the dollhouse. Damn. Like, that, that idea, just like, just how vicious of attack it is, and it is kind of that in the game, of yep. what happened to him, and what the spirit of Omni's Arkham really what, is. What persists, which we will get into. Right. But yeah, um, it was, development began in May of 2007. It wasn't announced until about a year later. They had made substantial progress. They had like a 40 to 60 person team. Um, which is crazy. Yeah, it's not as crazy when you see some of the shit coming out today. Just the craziest shit they got. Well, I mean, is that just because of just the job market in general? Just I like- have no fucking idea. Just how complicated stuff is these days, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was uh, the game was made on un- a heavily modified version of Unreal Engine 3. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, how did, like, for and- those who may not know, what is the Unreal Engine 3 as a... System. It's the Unreal Engine three. It's just it's the the tool set made by Unreal to make games. Unreal Engine has made, been very popular over the years. First, the first iteration popularized in the game Unreal. Right. <laughs> surprise, <USA>. surprise. <laughs> but you know, like mo- like many studios out there, especially nowadays, they they'll have their own engines and tool sets that they'll license out for mm. developers to make. Unreal is one of the more popular ones. Right. I mean, we had this conversation last week when I found out that Unreal Engine helped with the VFX for both The Lion King and The Mandalorian because it's done in real time, the yeah. rendering of it. But our initial releases were PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, naturally, on August 25th, 2009. And... Microsoft Windows got a port a little under a month later, September 15, 2009, on the old Games for Windows platform, which is now defunct. Mm-hmm. However, you can get that version of it, the Games for Windows version, on Steam. It costs about 20, 20 bucks. Uh, I know as of the time of this, Black Friday sales are coming up, so I'm sure it will be on sale very soon. Right. And so... I guess we'll, we'll kind of break into the story here, and we'll we'll talk about the... The narrative as it, and then we'll we'll talk about the gameplay throughout when it comes about, and so the cons- this will be like a plot synopsis slash walkthrough, you know. Yeah. So if you have never beaten the game and you don't want to know how a certain boss fight works, fuck off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no. Pause the episode. Go play it. Come back. Yes. Now that you're back, let's continue. But anywho, our game begins. You know, rainy night on Gotham. So a Tuesday. So a Tuesday. So a fucking any day of the week. Fucking look at the calendar and you'll see what it is. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing about the the graphic novel itself. It takes place on April 1st. Because yeah. It's supposed to be a huge joke about Batman's supposed to be there. And so the story begins with Batman taking Joker into Arkham Asylum. Very standard procedure. And it's weird because this version of the Batmobile, like unlike the, uh, the Bat tank we get in Arkham Knight, where he has like a whole rear area for... You know, criminals, he's just got him sitting in the front seat right next to him with handcuffs. Yeah. No muzzle, no nothing. Joker could be standing on his head fucking kicking him while he drives for all the I, I, I mean, Hannibal Lecter was bound and gagged pretty much when he was transported out of his asylum mm-hmm. to, uh... uh she big through the hips? Roomy? <laughs> Tough on your nipples, didn't ya? Um, 
And your little girl's on the slab. Where Where would it tickle tickle you? Take this thing back to Baltimore. Silence the lambs, everyone. And there's a, I love the joke when Batman's approaching Arkham Asylum. There's a sign that says, do not stop for hitchhikers. <laughs> hitchhikers may be inmates. Which there, it is a real thing because, remember, I was going up to Riverhead uh, Prison uh, to uh, go to the courthouse once. And there's a sign that says, um, hitchhikers may be escapees. Mm. And so that's a real sign kind of thing. You know, it's like, you're like, ha, 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 that, that probably's not a real thing. It is. But Batman dropping him off first in the intensive treatment building were greeted by... We get several brand new characters right. for in the Batman verse. Now, the whole thing about this is the story is built all around the comics, but does not follow them exclusively. No. This, They're a blueprint. Yeah, this is a very linear... Because you know how comics are. We have never-ending stories for years. Yeah, they're perpetual second acts of yeah. stories. This is very like linear. Like Many things that have happened in Batman's history have happened in this. However, not really all that long ago, and not much has happened in between. Uh I'll get to an example when we get into some of the tapes and stuff. But right. we're first introduced, Batman drops uh, Joker off to the warden, Warden Quincy Sharp. Yes. Who clearly has a, he's a, he clearly has a very short fuse for inmates. Yeah. Um, it's important to note that we have many returning voice actors from the animated series. That is true. We have Kevin Conroy as Batman, mm-hmm. Mark Hamill as the Joker, and Arlene Sorkin as Harley Quinn. Yeah. And it is a... If you're coming from previous games or previous iterations of Batman, it is a nice transition to this iteration of Batman because the success of this game would go on to have two sequels and oh, two sequels and a prequel, and it would set up their own kind of establishment, their own universe of Batman characters and their different takes on Batman characters because you could say this version of Killer Croc and this uh, version of the Batman universe is very different from. Brian Nazarello's joke, uh, Killer Croc and the Joker graphic novel, which that guy's more of a man. This one is more of a monster in this game. But, yeah, we're introduced to that, to uh, Warden Sharp. We're also introduced to one of the Arkham Guards, Frank Bowles, who even has an even shorter fuse. Yeah. He, he's got, like, what, is he blind in one eye? He's got one eye that's completely clouded and white and a scar going down his face. So, mm. you know, he's seen some shit. Yeah. Uh, he seems to be a little rough with the Joker at first, but he handcuffs him, straps him like Hannibal Lecter to a fucking... Gurney. Gurney. To the, the Romans of the asylum. Yep. But Batman tells Warden Sharp something's not right. He never gives up that easily, so I'm fo- so I'm going with him. So what happens next is almost kind of like... An, I heard the phrase interactive cutscene described, where you take control of Batman and you're just walking through the asylum with all the guards. Mm. You're walking through the various places, you know. I believe the first place you have is patient pacification, mm. where you go through with all... And they they scan everybody to make sure no one's got any illegal contraband. Of course, Batman sets it off. Yeah. But, you know, continuing through... Um, well, because I think that the, the one good thing about this is that, A, it establishes the geography of the entrance to the asylum. And it's... it's this game will be kind of like a Metro Metroidvania type where you're going to be coming back to areas again and again when you progress further on into the story. Definitely. And setting it up like how... What this place is going to look like and how... Just how deep into the asylum you're going into and how secluded you are to the outside world is kind of remarkable. Oh, deep going into everything. You go into you go into more shit than probably the maintenance crew does. Oh, j- definitely. But passing through, you know, Joker is heckling all the doctors and stuff. People are clearly frightened of him. He also happens to mention, right before he gets examined by a doctor, that this a fire happened to break out at Blackgate and most of his crew got transferred there. Hmm. Coincidence? Coincidence? And we ah. see him walking through the other side yeah. of like the, the transfer hallway, calling out to him. 
Yeah, they, they, they're like, Joker, Joker. Yep. We're also introduced to Dr. Penny Young. She will become a major player later in this game. Right. Uh, as we get through during the uh, doctor check, when a doctor looks over Joker and Joker messes with him, we get to the elevator area where uh, Killer Croc is offloaded. Yeah, okay. What? Do you, how do you feel about this iteration of Killer Croc where he is more monster than man? I kind of feel like Killer Croc is just too... Like, what they started... Like, okay, he's got a fucked up skin condition. It's kind of like the tree man you see on those uh, yeah. websites. Like, you'll never believe this. Right. I feel like they almost went, like, too fucking overboard with Killer Croc. That he's, Croc. he's the, 11 feet tall? In the comics in general, where he actually grows a tail and shit. It's like, he's supposed to have a fucked up skin condition, and he's like a freak show wrestler. He's carny. Carney with, with, you know, freakish strength. Like, that's why he's called Killer Croc, not because he's an actual crocodile. That's why I enjoyed the Batman the Animated Series version yeah. of him, because he's just to do with messed up skin. Yeah. And I, I even love that there is the Batman Adventures comic books, which is like the the art style of the Batman Animated Series in comic form, where we see him as a boxer and as a wrestler, and like how there is one issue of him, like, trying to remain the champion, uh, fighter in this in gotham and it's actually kind of heartwarming but this one it's kind of like um he's like 10 feet tall uh he has no lips so how does he say the word pronounce the b in batman i got you that that i tried to do this with him i got you sent that land. Not to quite a sight. I'm so glad we're not videotaping this. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you wanted to do video podcast. Now you regret that idea. <laughs> At this moment, I do. I, otherwise, no. I am a great reason for people to regret ideas. <laughs> Let's just say that. I, I mean, it's always like you think you'd have the same uh, speech impediment as the Scarface in the comic books where like he can't. He always says, Gatman, we're going to get you, Gatman, not yeah. Batman. But, but yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, Croc is a little overblown. I mean, and the thing, though, too, is that they don't really go overboard with him when you actually encounter him and everything. I, I, I kind of do feel like enough restraint was taken with how the actual croc encounters go. Uh-huh. Like, there's something out of a horror movie, but not something that a fucking living human cro- uh, living, you know, human crocodile hybrid could pull off. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's got good lung capacity, basically. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's chained up. He's got, like, an electric collar that keeps him pacified. He tells you he's got your scent. We're also introduced to the security guard, Aaron Cash, who lost his hand to Killer Croc. Mm. He's got a hook for a hand. He's now. got a hook for a hand, but he's one of the friendly, good good guy guards. He's yeah. not, He ain't a bad guy. He ain't a fucking dick like bulls. No. So we get uh, to the holding cell area where we meet Commissioner Gordon, and, mm. you know, he's sticking. Batman's still sticking around saying, you know, he's, he gave up. Something's not right. Something's he, not right. Yeah. And but like everybody else is like, hey, like be cool. I mean, like Joker's yep. back, everything's fine. And he's not going anywhere. He's so far into the asylum. And they won't let Batman past a certain point. But we also see looking on the monitor a pair of f- feet. You know, one red shoe, one black shoe. Mm-hmm. Who do we know that you know may wear that? Yeah. And a, a very familiar voice. But Joker, as he's taken off the gurney and being brought through, he attacks the guard, and the doctor lets him free. Mm-hmm. So. He starts, you know, pointing to the electric. We have a lot of electrified security gates that'll come into play later. Yeah. And apparently Harley Quinn ha- is loose and she's running things in Gotham. She's in like the main security area. Right. So, uh, Batman, we get our first b- fight encounter against some, um, just thugs, you know? Yeah. That's where we're really introduced to the gameplay. How, and because, the, the, because each of these versions, 
the button mapping is the same, but each button is different. Yes. You know, we'll be like on PC, I use an Xbox One controller. Right. Or a wired Xbox 360 controller. That shit's basically the same. Whenever I discuss like a, uh, uh, button to press or whatever, mm-hmm. I pretty much use go between both PlayStation and Xbox mm-hmm. controllers because they're the same throughout all of it. Like even the PS4 remaster, which we'll get to at the end. Oh, this is a total tangent right now, but okay. Uh-oh. Describe the four buttons on the PS uh, PlayStation controller. Uh, triangle, square, circle, X. England, they call it cross. Oh. They don't call it X. Well, they're wrong. Exactly. It, it was like PlayStation UK like made that uh, declaration, and everybody else like on the internet was like, "Wait, no, that makes no sense." You know what, man? PlayStation UK can declare all they want, but PlayStation Japan made the fucking thing. So. <laughs> uh, but you know, for, for we're introduced to the combat. Punch is square or X. Yes. Yes. I should have brought my controllers down. That's fine. <laughs> square X. We get and we go, we go through about like what two to three waves of enemies that yeah. are in the holding cells. It's a, this whole thing is just to get you used to the combat system, whether it be the attack and the counter system, where you have blue like highlights appear above a character's head who's about to attack you to they alert look like, you. They look like little shock waves. Yes, it's some kind of it's not it's not the blatant press a, press triangle to counter press that you see in games blatantly today. Right. It's some kind of visual cue to mm. let you know. It's not the immersion-breaking actual picture of a button or yeah. message that says press press A to pay respects, you know? Right. I, I am kind of sick of that shit in games. I kind of wish it would go. I kind of wish it would – I wish it would be replaced with something more like this where, yes, you can look up the controls by hitting pause. Maybe if you're – and one of the things I love about this game is that if you are getting your ass kicked, like say you're not counting right, the little message, you know, press Y – or or triangle to counter will pop up, but only if you're failing to do it constantly. Right. Same thing with like if you if you're just not punching well enough. If you're getting punched more than you're punching, it'll come up with press X or or square to punch. Mm-hmm. Cool shit like that. So for the remaining face button, circle does like a, a stun move where you like swipe your cape in the enemy's face, and you mm-hmm. start seeing stars. X is your evade button. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could tap it, and also a direction on the control stick to get away. Right, because there are certain uh, play there's certain enemies you're gonna deal with they have bladed weapons, you yeah. have to evade them. You have they, to stun them first. In order to attack them, otherwise you can't. And the guys with the cattle prods, you gotta evade them. You really have to jump over them by double tapping X. Right, and you attack direction. them from behind. But also when we get to the Titan monsters, you need to evade them by, you know, Diving tapping. out of the way after you hit him with the battering. By tappa tappa tappa. Yeah. So Batman defeats all these guys, gets through, and then unfortunately we get here over the PA that Zaz has somebody. So yeah. Batman continues through the hallway. Mm. Yes, Victor Zaz, the serial killer who who cuts a tally mark into his skin after every victim he's killed. Yep. So you get in the, you get in there, he's got a guard strapped to an electric chair and he's gonna fucking fry him if he sees you. Mm. So you have to get up to the second level. And by backlaw, back or so you gotta go up the stairs this oh, time. Because okay, yeah, if yeah. you try to do by backlaw, you have to expose yourself to him. Mm. And peppered throughout, I don't know whose interior design this was, and this is kind of, this might be a little immersion breaking throughout the whole Arkham series. Is that you have gargoyles up above constantly, constantly. You have gargoyles everywhere. Mm-hmm. What the fuck do you need gargoyles? I guess it's, it's just like one of those hand wavy things where like gargoyles are such a prominent. Um, symbol throughout all Batman's history. It, it, in a practical sense, why would you have four 
gargoyles in this one operating room. Like, that is kind of morbid to have that as an interior design choice. But for video game's sake, I guess that's why they don't really And how unsettling must it be for fucking mental patients to see gargoyles everywhere? I mean... I think the, the the piles of like human feces and the smells are probably in the, the deeper catacombs of this uh, asylum is the bigger question, a bigger thing to deal with rather than the gargoyles. Mm-hmm. But this is your first introduction to stealth in the game. You have to get behind Zaz using the gargoyles and do like the cape gliding kick. That's one of the things you could do is glide with your cape over mm-hmm. distances. On PlayStation Three, you can control this with the six-axis motion control, mm-hmm. and same thing on PS4 as well, since that had uh, motion controls. Right. I kind of started turning it off after a while. Like it, it is a unique feature, and we will get into unique features at the end. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I, I, you know, kept it off. It didn't do anything to me. But after you stop him, Harley Quinn makes herself uh, shown on the monitor. Uh, she's wearing a new, like, ner- almost like nurse's o- outfit. Yes, like sexy nurse's outfit. Sexy nurse outfit with like a short skirt, and like, yeah. you can see the, I guess the her underwear. You can see her bum a little bit. But yeah, she's got Warden Sharp. Yeah, and she's locked you in that room. So you have to find a way out, and the way out is pretty easy. It's a, uh, you know, air duct. Now mm-hmm. you're, you're gonna go through a lot of fucking John McClane air ducts here. <laughs> Come on to the coast, have a few drinks, uh, have a few drinks, we'll have a laugh, so mm-hmm. whatever. But now you get to the decontamination room, mm-hmm. and inside a Joker's uh, filled the room with fucking his gas. His, yeah. Not not his butt gas, but his, his lethal, deadly laughing gas. Oh my god, that has to be a joke where like he like bends over and shows his rear, then all of a sudden like he like shoots like shoots his air gun that just releases his. He's just like holding it right behind his coin purse and it just flies yeah. up. <laughs> that that I would uh, that would if that hasn't happened, I'm writing that down. But yes, you have to rescue several guards and inmates that are hanging above. And this is another reoccurring thing that too is rooms filled with gas that you have to decontaminate. You have to reactivate. Ventilation fans in there, usually by shorting them out by hitting them, hitting the control panel with your batarang. Right. The way you find the control panel is this game, probably this game's most unique feature, mm-hmm. and that will prevail throughout the Batman games is detective vision. Right. Now that is an overlay system that shows the kind of environments in a, in like the, the screen goes completely blue, and highlight items will will be a different color scheme, or they'll they'll items glow. of importance will be will will have like an orange glow to them. Is very much like how when in the Dark Knight, when Batman uses his sonar system when he's in the building trying to take down the Joker near the end of the movie. Yep. Now, also when you get to electrical panels, the way you figure out some of these puzzles is you'll see the wires traveling throughout the room. You know, right? And, and you just you follow them to their uh, inevitable end. Yes. So you follow them to the end. It'll either be an electrical box or a uh, panel that you have to hack. You don't get a device for that until later, mm-hmm. but uh, you decontaminate the room, and, and Detective Vision, that was actually one of the things criticized in many of the reviews. Why? Because if if you really look at it, mm-hmm. you pretty much, it, it, there's such an advantage to keeping Detective Vision on, because you're looking out for so many things, that, and I, and I agree with this completely, you actually miss the amazing art design of the game, because everything then turns blue. Right, I will admit I do use Detective Vision, Detective Vision about seventy five percent of the time when I'm playing the game. Yes, it is so easy to leave on to just set and forget, but in doing so, you're going to miss you're going to miss the beautiful art design. Right, there's one point in one of the rooms where there's a nod to Batman the Killing Joke, where there's a sign on a desk that says, "You don't have to be crazy to work here, but it helps." 
And in Detective Vision, the text on that thing is washed out completely. It just fades into the design of the, the sign itself. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. There are... A slight disadvantage to, I guess, the game developers when it comes to. Well, they they were res- they were uh, responsive of that, and I think they. I, I don't I don't want to say they toned things down for Arkham City, but they they made Detective they altered it. They've altered it in Arkham City and Origins and Night, right? To where it's not because I think the idea was we want Detective Vision. We're when you turn to Detective Vision, you're looking for something. We want to make there a a sharp contrast between what you're looking for and what's you're not looking for. Mm-hmm. So everything you're not looking for is just your standard blue. Everything you're looking for is highlighted. Right. But continuing through, Batman reaches a uh, an area I believe is like most dangerous patient transfer because right. there's like this abyss and this big like I want to say like almost tank like isolation cell. This is isolation chamber. Yeah, it is a it is a certain threshold. Like, if you're going further into the asylum, you must know what exactly you're getting into right here. And that's why it's such a dramatic thing. We had the chasm outside this kind of chamber, so they can't get out. And they've, yeah. you, you have Extreme to... isolation, I believe it's called, the right. chamber. But Joker's in there, and Joker releases this big fucking monster. Yeah, like a mutated... Um, human. Human, who's about like eight feet tall and just muscle bound and just. He's got like bones sticking out of him. He looks like part of like a dinosaur almost. Right. You know, eyes glowing like crazy. And we have like a little bit of a mini boss fight here. Now, the strategy for this guy is pretty much the strategy you will see for many, like every other type of creature, but also another major boss fight where he's going to let you know that he's charging at you. Right. Like, like, it'll, it'll, it'll go into this slight slow motion when it happens. Well, he's gonna he's gonna like roar and like hold out his arms and look like he's about to charge. You have to quick fire hit him with a batarang by tapping what is it the L two? Yeah, L two on PlayStation trigger on left trigger on Xbox three sixty and actually playing through the fucking PS three version again. R one the R buttons and the L buttons are fucking reversed. What do you mean? Where the the functions of L2 and R2, mm-hmm. or left trigger and right trigger on Xbox. Was C3PO there? What? You said L2 R2 and R2 D2? Yeah. L- fuck you. <laughs> R2 and fuck you. <laughs> but yes, the the functions of left trigger and right trigger, where normally you just map them to L2, R2. Yeah. They are reversed, where those functions would be L1, R1. Mm. And the functions originally that left bumper, right bumper would have on 360 would be to L2 and R2. They've done this on several PlayStation games because of the design of the triggers on the PlayStation 3. They don't, they kind of, they kind of stuck with, because the DualShock 3 carries over so much of the design of the previous PlayStation DualShocks, mm-hmm. the, the back butt, uh, triggers, the L2 and R2, have a curve. They curve downward though, mm-hmm. because on the DualShock 2 and DualShock 1, they were buttons, not, not analog triggers yeah. that could, that have a certain degree of movement. Whereas Xbox 360, they curve upwards, and even on PlayStation 4, they they definitely fix that, and the, the controls are fixed as a result on the Return to Arkham collection. Mm. I have these fancy, schmancy little uh, snap-on trigger covers yeah. that do that curve up. They're these little like plastic things. I got them for like six bucks. Really? On Amazon? No, I got them at Best Buy. Uh, they don't have them anymore. You can still find these or similar ones on. Uh, Amazon or online, mm-hmm. but literally they just snap on top of your L2, R2 buttons, and now you have that upward curve that your finger rests in nicely and won't slip off of. Gotcha. I know in Metal Gear Solid 5, they fucking did that, where they reversed the two things' functions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember, because I, I played, what was it, Ground Zeroes on th- Xbox 360 first, 
And when I played it on PS3, I'm like, what the fuck? You know? Right. And it's kind of odd when you're aiming with L1 and shooting with R1 instead of, you know, the gun L2, triggers. yeah. I mean, I guess it's better for responsiveness because mm-hmm. a lot of your fancy-smancy pro controllers nowadays have that where you can lock the actual distance between your trigger buttons. Right. I know the Xbox One Elite controller and the Elite Series 2 that just came out, they have stuff like that where you could set it to where it almost functions as a button press, not a full trigger. Oh, okay. Yep. But your strategy is the same. You hit boomerang him in the face, you hit a quick-fire boomerang, or you can select your boomerang from your gadgets. You do have a gadget wheel. Yeah. You have unlocked quite a number of things. Uh, I guess in the end... When all is said and done, you will have seven, eight gadgets to yeah. choose from. You have at the at the top left, and these are control selected by the D-pad. You'll have multi-batarangs, up to three you can unlock. Regular batarang. Sonic batarang. Sonic banger, batarang for, for uh, disabling suicide collars that the inmates wear later, which we'll describe. Mm. Explosive gel for exploding um, weak, weak walls. Weak walls or or floors or ceilings like a, that. A line launcher, which is like kind of like a zipline thing. It's kind of like what, what uh, Batman used in 89. When he saved Vicky Vale. When he saved Vicky Vale, he pointed – yeah, he pointed the thing at the Joker's face and like – it, it shot the two lines. It shot the two lines in opposite directions. But as he's pointing in his face, Joker like doesn't know what to do because the two things like lock into place. He's like, there's something to shoot at you me. You think he's going to get shot in the face with it. But something goes left, something goes right, and he rides it like a zipline. You yeah. got the line launcher. You have the remote control batarang, which you get a trophy if you remote control it back to you and you catch it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you have the uh, bat claw, which yeah. is, you know, it, it, it's, I want to say it's kind of like the grapple where you can claw into something and, and it's useful for pulling enemies. If you double tap R2 or right trigger, you could use it in battle as a quick fire. I end up, that's the one thing, other than batarangs, I think that's the thing I use the most in battle. I don't use the gels in, in battle. I use the bat claw if I'm going to mess with somebody who's behind me. The gels are not available as a quick fire gadget in this game. No. That was Arkham City. Arkham so, City. But yeah, the bat claw is, Mostly used in the begin at first for pulling down vent covers mm-hmm. that you can't get on the surface. Yeah, like you will see vents and explodable walls up, like raised up, and be wondered like, how the hell do I get that down? I can't shoot any explosive no, gel. There's no yeah, and you, there's no way of like getting up there to. But you eventually get an upgrade to the ultra back claw, which shoots out three lines. That is how you take down wall the the destructible walls that yeah. are elevated up. And last but not least, the cryptographic sequencer. That is how you hack into the control panels that open rooms for these, like, electrified doohickeys. Now, I think this is... <laughs> doohickeys. Uh, doohickeys. I think this is the the only... I think it's the only time in the series where... The, I don't want to say the only time. It's the easiest to use in the entire series is in this game. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's easy it's easiest during this game to break, to crack, whether, whether it be the boundaries from uh, other rooms or Joker's bombs. Joker's booby traps. And because... In Arkham City and Arkham Knight, it becomes much more complicated. Well, yeah, that you have fine-tuning it. That you have to figure out actual words. In this, you literally you use the two analog sticks, and you even see Batman using two analog sticks on his device. And you see like a little wavelength pattern that goes from like brown to green. When it's correct, it's like full green and, it's and blinking. like some, blinking, and some like high-pitched noise comes up. Right. That's how you hack into stuff. But back to this little boss fight, you have to quick-fire batarang these guys in the face when they're charging. Mm-hmm. They'll hit a wall because they're now stunned because they've been blinded, and you have to go up and just beat the shit out of them. Yeah. That is how you take down any Titan monster throughout all these games and also another boss fight coming up. Yeah. But as we continue with this, eventually you get to a point where, well, also he'll have like a, a ground and pound thing. And these guys can also pick up bodies and throw them at you. Right. So you'll want to double, you do the double tap evade a lot. 
But this monster eventually collapses, and Joker admits that, oh, maybe he's a failed version. So Joker, Joker's been planning this. Yeah. There, there, there seems to be... It's not just a random series of things. This is a guy with a plan, mm-hmm. as it were. Yep. And the, the t- these Titan monsters doesn't seem like to be the only person that he's done this to. And it's obviously, we'll find out later on, that the experiments continue further. Yep, but he gives Batman one last chance to knock him down and kill him with the Batarang. Batman doesn't take it. Right. He goes in. Because that's the entire point of this game, which I'll get into when we get to the end. Yep. So a guard... You know, tells Batman that he's cut off from the rest of Extreme Isolation, can't let him in. He can only basically let him, you know, in back through the way he came. Right, and so then he has to kind of, like like I said before, he has to double back to where he was going in order to go forward, pretty much. Yep, so you get to the elevator area that you were at before. You're, you're literally retracing your steps now from where yeah. the game started with that long interactive cutscene, as I called it. Mm-hmm. You get to the elevator area, elevator won't work, but Harley Quinn comes down, and it turns out the elevator's been booby-trapped. Yeah. So she goes flying up as the elevator comes crashing down. Yeah, because she blows the brake lines as she rides the counterweight to the ceiling. Yep. So Harley Quinn, you know, she takes the top. you got to go the old-fashioned way. you got to go around, climbing everything. Yeah. Now, somewhere in here, I can't remember if it's at the bottom floor or at the top, but you're going to come across something interesting. You're going to come across an actual... It's at the bottom. What? I think it's at the bottom. What are you talking about? Okay. You're going to come across a, like, reel-to-reel tape. Right. Throughout this, seven characters get five different recordings of actual interviews that you have to collect. Mm -hmm. These are part of a greater thing that we will also get to in a little bit. Right. It's part of the achievements, and it's also a greater expanding upon what the story is and who are the players in the game. Yep. But we have the Joker, whose five tapes are his interactions with Dr. Young and the role that she will eventually come to play. Right. Killer Crocs is more of a... uh, I mean, these are all, like, in the past tense. Yeah. Killer Crocs is the story of, you know, how he took Aaron Cash's hand. Mm -hmm. Harley Quinn's is based on the Mad Love story and how she came to fall in love with the Joker Mm -hmm. and how she was responsible for his previous breakout. Yeah. So a lot of Batman history is still here, but heavily consolidated. Yeah. And that's the thing. I read an uh, interview with, um, I think it was comic book, uh, I think it was CBR.com, where Paul Dini was interviewed, and they said, like, the thing is with video games, like, especially with a character like Batman, there's so much preconceived notion going into it, and I assume either Batman fans or comic fans or video game fans in general bring so much uh, knowledge already in, so they've kind of hit the ground running, and so... Any ideas of like outside going on in this this story has to be hot, heavy, heavily condensed. Yes, uh, the Riddlers is kind of the story of just before his escape, and him describing really his feelings on Batman and how he doesn't believe Batman could ever be this selfless of a person. You yeah. know that he's just a criminal, just like everyone else. Yeah, because he thinks like how he funds all of his um, his criminal. Um, it's crime finding waste, so he takes the money from criminals. From criminals, yep. Yeah. Bribes the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zaz's is a story of him becoming infatuated with a, a newer young psychiatrist, wanting her as his next kill. His breakout and stalking of her. This plays out like a fucking horror movie. That's the creepiest one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, because it ends with he had gotten to the point that they had to switch doctors halfway through the tapings. And the last tape is that he has escaped, and the tape is still rolling when his new doctor calls his previous doctor, who's not on the grounds, and goes trying to warn her. The previous doctor answers the phone, but hears a knock on the door. And she goes to knock on the door, but the new doctor is screaming, don't answer the door, and don't answer the door, Victor's ass is gone, and then just, the tape runs out. Now, you want to hear something funny that I, I discovered while playing this game mm. again? 
Apparently, there must be more to the story. He must have been apprehended right after there because you actually meet that doctor. Really? The, the, the young doctor he was after. You, so you saved her Dr. Cassidy. Dr. Cassidy. Oh, okay, because because um, Batman does play into one of these tapes later on. Because I, I found her and the doctor from the Poison Ivy tape. Okay. I believe Poison Ivy or Scarecrow tape. I found them in, like, the same place after I had already, like, cleared that out, and I was going back for more uh, challenges mm-hmm. that we will discuss in a moment. Yeah. And I saw the name, and I'm like, wait a minute, isn't that the chick from the Zaz tape? And huh. I'm like, isn't that the guy from the Scarecrow tape? Like, holy shit. Yeah, because I think Poison Ivy, I don't know, leads her doctor to his death or something like that, or I know... Well, we'll get to that next. Poison Ivy's is her seduction of one of the psychiatrists there. Right. And Scarecrow's is his experiments in fear toxin that got him arrested using said fear toxin to escape, but his escape being part of an elaborate ruse by Batman and the doctor he put over yeah. to uh, get arrested again. Because he had used his fear toxin, a very weak formula, but as his cologne, yes. and he was turning the – because he would start each session, because he is a psychiatrist, he would turn he try to turn the tables on his doctor, but ends with Batman coming in and stopping him and saying, like, oh, like we've been using it the entire time. And these are actually recorded in a pretty, like, lo-fi – Quality, like yeah, something it, like off of actual tape. I remember hearing it for the first time. I'm like, there's a per- kind of, persistent hiss throughout all the tapes. This feels kind of fucking unnerving, you know, listening to like the, like, it's like you're listening to the actual like psychiatric, you know, shit of a fucking patient. It, it reminds me, you remember, I don't know if it was the Joker Diaries, which came out after the Dark Knight, where it was a guy in Joker makeup just like doing like a testimonial to camera. That's what it reminded me of when it comes to other media anyway. But in Arkham Asylum, now um, Batman is continuing his way throughout the... Uh, the elevator area to get up to the next area. Mm-hmm. He gets through, has to take a vent through, and gets into the big pace, pace, pa- patient pacification area you started at. Right. Because, you know, he's, he's um, looking for them. And as it turns out, Harley Quinn actually has... Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, as a hostage. So you have to backtrack, and it turns out Frank Bowles betrayed him. Mm-hmm. Frank Frank with his big bowls. <laughs> he betrayed Commissioner Gordon. He betrayed Shiva. So you have to backtrack to the holding cells where you were originally at, and you f- and where Commissioner Gordon was last spotted. And you trace him how. You set up a crime scene. Now, this is pretty cool. And this, I, I feel like uh, Arkham Origins actually did this the best, the whole crime scene thing. Yes. You have to go into detective mode. You set up a crime scene in the in the, in the area of uh, interest, mm-hmm. and you use your detective vision to locate something, locate some kind of clue. What you find in this instance is Frank Bull's flask. Right. Because he was a heavy fucking drinker, explaining yep. his, <laughs> his wonderful personality. Of course. So you trace... Um, you set your detective vision to trace traces of the trace traces of the alcohol in the air. Mm-hmm. So now on your map, every time you come across one, you'll see it as like a little like cloudy substance in the in the uh, floating in the air. Yeah. In de- w- only when in detective vision, though, you right. have to have detective vision on to tra- track anything. It is cool to see him cycle through the different kind of visions that are available yeah. to him. It's very much like how Predator he has several different visions, not just heat vision in Predator Two. But when you come across something, it will be marked on screen, and then when you go into a map, you'll see like a breadcrumb trail being mapped out. So you always have to keep your eyes peeled because you can get off the trail. And even if you get further enough away, even if you get further enough away because you want to go do something else, Batman will say, nothing's happening this way. I need to go backtrack. And get- Didn't you have an issue with that, that tracing the alcohol in the air? Did I? I don't know if it was you or somebody else that like that found it was like it was leap in logic kind of thing. 
I guess. I mean, uh, unless the guy is inebriated twenty four seven, and you could, and you could, every time. Well, well, you do see him take a take a swig during the opening cinematic. Yeah, but still, like, there's a th- there's a thing in your saliva called uh, uh, like that breaks down food and breaks down stuff you consume, like right. break down eventually. Like th- th- basically, what they're portraying is that if this guy were to smoke a cigarette, he would self immolate. <laughs> That's how much alcohol is in his breath. Ooh. So we get back to patient pacification, and we get introduced to a, a, your next aspect of gameplay, the predator uh, challenge, the predator events. If it bleeds, we can kill it. And so the gargoyles that we mentioned earlier on become a huge part of this scenario because you have to take down these armed guards that are working for Joker one by one. Now, Batman in a previous encounter on your way there, has tuned his Cal's uh, detective vision because you see enemies highlighted as, like, blue skeletons. Yes. He calibrates it to where any weapons are in red and any enemy holding a weapon is in red. So anytime you have a, an enemy that's armed with a, with a firearm, he's going to be in red. Firearms ain't nothing to fuck with in this game, folks. No. They go for a more realistic approach. Yeah, one shot isn't going to kill you, maybe on higher difficulties. Yeah. But... You're not. You're not going to be, not be a bullet. You're not going to be a bullet sponge in this. Whatsoever. You can't run up to everybody in this room and no. take them down face to face. You have to pick your guys off one by one. And the way they do this is brilliant. As you pick them off, you see the enemies get. You see and hear them get visibly agitated. Wearing detective mo- with detective mode on, you can see their actual heartbeat. Right. How it's raising. How they're getting more and more scared. And, and what their status is, whether they be calmed or frazzled yeah. and whatever. Sometimes you'll hear random gunshots from them just getting getting like spazzed out and shooting at something that they see. Mm-hmm. You'll hear them start to say, screw this, man. I ain't sign up for this. You know, they'll start like abandoning each other and going to different areas. It's very much like how in Batman Begins when Batman actually confronts the Scarecrow for the first time in the asylum and he starts yanking people out of the air and so on and so forth. But sometimes you'll see them stick together and pair up walking back to back. Those guys are the harder ones. And you can take them down by, um, you know, any means. Like, you hold R2 or right trigger mm. to walk stealthily. Now, obviously, throughout the game, you've been introduced to, to running. You hold X to run when mm. you're just in, not in, like, normal fighting. I mean, even while you're in fighting, holding X runs. Mm. Holding X slash A runs. Yeah. Just, oh, I should have brought down another controller. Yeah, <laughs> but now you hold R two to 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 stealth walk to like crouch walk, right? And when you come up from behind an enemy while in stealth mode, you could hit Y or triangle to do a silent takedown. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, we'll get into our, what we feel is our drawbacks. Super Mario 64 1996 fucking impressed the shit out of me on analog, true analog controls. And the, the, the mechanical design of the N64's analog stick I still feel is amazing, even though it is heavily flawed with its construction. Mm. It's still amazing for analog controls. Pretty much into this generation, I kind of saw a backtracking from that where you would get a button that you hold down to run instead of pushing on the control stick full forward, full direction to run. Right. You know? It had to be a combo of, of buttons in order to perform that action. Or to walk slowly. Like, I remember watching a demo for fucking Mario 64 where the guy would say, if you just push slightly on the control stick, Mario will tiptoe. A little more and he'll walk. A little more and he'll start to jog. Full blast and he'll run. Mm. I fucking hate when you take that away because part of what I love about many stealth games I love, Splinter Cell and Metal Gear mostly, is the fine 
movements you have to do with the control stick. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's a crouch button to get you into, like, a crouching mode. But it adds tension because it, it puts the, you in the position of, like, you have to be very tender in your controls of the situation. Well, for one thing, the crouch is more of a toggle than a hold. Like, mm-hmm. you toggle a crouch mode. You don't hold down on the button right. to keep yourself in there. That frees your hands up for whatever else you want to do. Mm-hmm. I do feel the stealth tension in it more doing that, you know? And I also did notice something, and this is something that's bothered me for a long time, and I'm finally able to put it into words. I don't feel like Batman has the full movement of motion with – full degrees of motion with the analog control stick that you get from other games. And I will explain that. Look at any control stick on a controller. You could move the whole thing around in a big circle, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, usually when you move up, you know, your character will move up. If you move it ever so slightly to the left or right, he'll start veering that way. Mm-hmm. I notice Batman does – it takes a while of you moving that before Batman will start veering. It's almost like you've got fewer degrees of motion when you do that. I'm not going to say just eight, you know, up, down, left, right, diagonals. I'm yeah. going to say more like you got like 12 degrees of motion. I noticed that. I'm sitting there trying to walk in like a straight line and then slightly move because we do get into some fucking shoehorn platforming segments, which fucking suck my ass. <laughs> and I will explain why I hate them. And this is part of it. But I I was noticing that. Like, I'm trying to like veer as ever you, so you'll, gently. You'll have to stop and then start over in a new pathway. No, not even. I'm just trying to veer ever so gently, and as I'm moving it, I'm not saying he's not moving until I get to a certain point. Then he starts veering in that direction. So that kind of that that takes me out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. When you, I got so used to that generation of just having perfect analog movement, and it, it's still around. Uh, to give it a compliment, there's very little dead zone. Dead zone being how far you have to move the control stick before it'll register a response. Right. Like I was able to just move it just the tiniest bit, and I see him start to walk slowly. Mm-hmm. But that's it, you know, you do that and you walk slowly. I know on Steam, I have a Steam controller. Right. And I remember playing this. I actually mapped it to where the Steam controller's customization is so deep that if you push the stick all the way to the end, that outer ring can be mapped to a button co- prompt. That that could act as like a button. So I had that as like holding A. Like this is holding A. So I had it when I play it on the Steam controller on PC where, yeah, Batman walks slowly when he's walking. He walks, you know, at regular speed when you move the control stick up. But when you push the control stick all the way to the end, he's running. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, it kind of fucked things up because then every use of the button A would be mapped to the control stick. So whenever I'd run up to a door, I'd always pr- pull open the door mm. and go through it without wanting to. Oh, okay. Because it was still mapped to that button. So that's just one of my few, you know, little gripes. I mean, we, t- to be fair, we will, we're going to be fair. We're going to get to our drawbacks. Of course. Know, as time goes on. But after you pacify all these guards and you make it, you know, up to the exit, you find uh, Frank Bowles strapped to the fucking gurney. Dead. Dead with his mouth covered in green paint. Mm. So the minute they got their use out of Bowles, they killed him. Well, which is in such a Joker fashion, I could totally see him doing that because, like, you have no, you provide no more use to me, so might as well just kill you. Yep. So as you try to walk back to backtrack, you get a communication in your cowl. Your cowl gets hacked into. Mm. It's the Riddler. Yeah. Now, this, this, this begins our next part. Um, there is a bit of a collectathoning in here, but yeah. as a side thing, this is, I kind of feel like this is your side quest. Yes. For the whole game. These are your side quests. The Riddler gets into your cowl and challenges you, saying, I've laid out challenges across the entire island. If you've been playing already, you will have come across Riddler trophies, little question mark glowing green trophies, flit, you know, sitting around. Mm. You'll pick them up and, 
that, that's pretty much what you'll do so far. You've also we also have you know chattering teeth, teeth. That, uh, laying around destroying those is usually ten usually ten or twenty in any area. Yeah. But Riddler introduces you to one to start you with, uh, where he gives you a riddle. And to solve that riddle, you have to find an object in that immediate area mm-hmm. that refers to that. His is don't cut yourself on this sharply observed portrait. Mm-hmm. You have to look around the environment. And right there where he says it, right to your left, there's a picture of Warden Sharp on the wall. Yeah. I remember the second time ever I played this, I wasn't getting it. He starts getting more and more agitated and starts being more and more literal with it. <laughs> until he finally gets to the point where he's like, the picture of Warden Sharp <laughs> on the wall? <laughs> so I finally got it. Oh, I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad you were able to get that. But you have that. Um, in that very same room as well, another thing you will see quite frequently is in detective mode, you'll notice a question mark painted on a wall, a window, some part of the environment, but the dot is missing. Mm. You have to find in the environment where that dot is. And line get, it up and t- take a picture. Line it up exactly and scan it with detective mode. Now, same. Th- that's how you also you solve the, the riddles right. of the object. You hold L2 mm-hmm. to scan an entire environment. And there's 240 of these challenges by the Riddler throughout the entire game. Now, truthfully, I felt that for the pace of the game, this was the perfect balance. Arkham City, didn't they double it? Uh, no, the whole Riddler side story pissed me off. And it's the only, it's the only reason why I'm not 100% that game. Oh, I've 100%ed it. But the Riddler challenges, the, basically the collectathon, solvathon stuff in Arkham City, I feel it goes on laboriously longer than it does in this game. I feel like, I, like, and I'll even say this when we get to the end of the story synopsis, by the time you get to the area where you get to the final boss and you, if you've been making an effort to collect, you know, all this Riddler stuff as you've gone along with the story to this point, you won't have a hell of a lot left to mm-hmm. collect. You'll have a decent amount, and then you get... Yeah, I think um, on this replay, I had about, like, a half done. And that was just me kind of, like, halfway, like, really concentrating on it. Like, it was not me, like, staying around in every area trying to figure everything out. It was more, like, along the way, like, oh... He makes a reference to Harvey Dent. I find his cell, or you see uh, the ventriloquist um, or Scarface in one of the rooms. Yada yada yada. Yeah, or- you find Harley Quinn's office, and there's a whole thing about uh, uh, her love for the Joker. There's pictures of the Joker on the wall with kisses on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that? You find three um, dead guards with uh, three uh, scratches on the wall as Victor Zaz's uh, yeah, reward and everything. These little things. This particular playthrough I did, um, I just didn't backtrack a lot. I. I- Solved as much as I could in one area, moved on, and then when I got to like the end, like w- like whenever I had to go back to a certain area, that's the only backtracking I would do. Whenever the story made me go back to a certain mm-hmm. area, I didn't like because a lot of times when I played in the past, I would get a new gadget, and that's another thing too. A lot of these gadgets will unlock new areas you could get to, right? In order to get more riddles, I I did not this time unlock a gadget, then go back. I waited until the story needed me for me to go back and then went back and got everything mm. I could there. But the whole while Riddler's talking to you, a little thing comes up saying that you're tracking his ass. Mm. So keep in mind. And there is actual in-game content to this Riddler challenge. Right. But you have all those things. Now, doing all these challenges and stuff, it unlocks all manner of shit. We have character profiles you can get. Mm. We have fucking... Constant uh, art, I think. Cons- I think that was Arkham... Arkham City, oh, okay. but we have character models you can get. Right. We have challenge maps. More on that later. Mm-hmm. You have all manner of unlockables, and and that's the one cool thing about 
all the Arkham games is that there is a fuck ton of unlockables. Yes. There is a lot to see and do. So a guard, you know, leads you leads you out, leads you all the way through, and finally you come out to actual Arkham Island. Mm. Arkham Island is divided into, I'd say, four areas. You have Arkham East, North, and West, and then there's no real South, but there's the cave system. Yes. Those are the main parts of the island, and, and each of them have different buildings. And you know, I think that's the, the, the brilliant thing here is because to expanding into an entire island, because if it was just in one building the entire time, I think it would be rather limiting for a video game kind of storyline. But And there is, you do have to take a a little bit of a logic leap with having Batman constructing his own Batcave under the grounds of Arkham Island. Nobody noticed it yet. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But um, in Arkham East, we have Arkham Mansion and the Botanical Gardens. Mm-hmm. Arkham Mansion is where, like, I guess all the personnel live or whatever all the files are at. Arkham North has the Intensive Treatment Facility, and that's also the entrance to the island. Intensive Treatment is where you just came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arkham West is the Penitentiary with uh, Visitor Center, which comes into place at the end as well as the medical facility. And the cave system is, you know, your underground cave structure that connects everything, your sewer. I'm trying to remember um, which one has the extreme violent uh, criminals and, like, where Clayface is held. Penitentiary. It's penitentiary, okay. Yep, pen- for obvious reasons. Yeah. But also one of the other Riddler challenges that we did not mention as well is you will come across these weird... Like stone trapezoid objects with this like circular scribbling and a little like beetle scarab in the middle. Mm-hmm. You scan those, those are chronicles of Arkham. You find these weird deciphered codes of Amadeus Arkham. Right. The, the founder, founder of Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum in when? The 1800s? It was, no, he was in 1921, I think. It was he started when- a secret society named Gozer Worshippers? In 1920, he started a secret society. Let me guess. Goes away. Right. No, no, no studying. studying. <laughs> Next month. Next month. <laughs> um, and it's one of the other things because it is the storyline we have been mentioning so far. It is pretty much recaps of the Amadeus Arkham storyline from the Grant Morrison's uh, graphic novel just told in a very – the, the voice acting on this kind of thing is very old and like it's supposed spooky. to be it is kind of like Christmas Carol kind of spooky it's like Jacob Marley's trying to tell you a story of Arkham Asylum here and depending on which continuity you're going on who's writing it that Martha Wayne's maiden name was Arkham and so the That's interesting yeah and so the the I guess the hereditary na- uh, nature of like the psychosis that runs in the Arkham family might be running through Bruce Wayne's blood. But there is twenty three of these to decipher, and one final one at the end that you have to find where it is. Now they'll get, we're not going to get deep into it until the end, but they give you start giving you clues that something's amiss here. Yeah, because like the last like row, because on the little page that shows them all, it starts to become more and more apparent who is really speaking to you right here. Well, it starts to become more and more apparent that. Something's amiss with with this little story here, but but you know we'll 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 get to that. We'll yeah. cross that bridge and come to it. But meanwhile, back in Arkham East, you get a warning that the um the Batmobile is being fucked with. Yeah, exactly. It's still there. And it, it is like four or five inmates are smashing it with a with a uh, pretty much like sticks or something like that. And and unlike um Batman Eight Nine, doesn't have a shield on it. Mm-hmm. Well, he does tell uh, Oracle to disable your countermeasures, mm-hmm. so that because if Gordon's with them, he's going to get hurt. So you get there, you beat up the guys, and Gordon's gone. So Batman gets out of his trunk ex- your explosive gel. Mm-hmm. You you hold left trigger L two to um, equip it 
to aim it. Yeah. And R2 to spray it, and then hold, continue holding L2, and then hit R1 right bumper to detonate it. Yeah, and he sprays it in the symbol of a bat. Yep, you could do up to three of them, and you eventually get an upgrade to to do selective detonation. Should we get into upgrades now? Uh, I, guess upgrades? So, I guess this was when it really starts to come into play, when you start new gadgets to come along with you. You seem to have 20, up, 20 total upgrades. Yes, whether it be either... <coughs> Expanding in your arsenal of gadgets where they can do more things, like you can carry more batarangs. There is different armor that you can have to increase your health overall throughout the game, as well as there's other certain skills you have. Fighting-related stuff. Right. Um, you gain experience points from doing pretty much everything, from solving Riddler's riddles to beating up enemies. And the better you do and the longer you have a combo going with beating up enemies, because is one thing we said before, it's about keeping the rhythm going. Right. Because everything it- you do, punt, fighting, countering, using gadgets... You get you get a little combo meter told how many consecutive actions you've done. It, it, it is a marvel to watch you build a combo because I can I can barely keep a combo going <laughs> sometimes, and you just it's very fluid. How I you, think I've gotten the trophy for achieving a 50, 50 combo. I think the the highest in any of the games. I think it was like thirty eight. I think it was in Arkham City. That's when I was surrounded by guys, and somehow it was, it was probably that. it was probably the uh, actually you know it might have been that game because the Mad Hatter one gives you every opportunity to do that right in Arkham City. But you have special combo throw. That's a fighting one. That one, after you achieve a combo score of eight, you could hit X and square or A and X to do, to pick up an enemy and throw him and use the left stick to choose this. And these move doing these moves doesn't break your combo. No. Either. Uh, your next one, I love doing this one, special combo takedown, where you do some, like, fucking, like, MMA-style, like, submission move, like, like, counter into submission that hurts like a motherfucker. Like, yeah, you wrap your legs around the, the, the inmates, like, like here's arm snap. Yeah, and it's ridiculous. You do that one by, after achieving a combo score of eight, you know, hitting, uh, circle and triangle, or B and Y. Mm-hmm. Now, Arkham City would expand on this by having the other combinations of the buttons in there, like, um, square and triangle. Circle and X and their corresponding Xbox Ones. And I think even um, Arkham Knight expanded on that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, special combo boost you have allows special combo moves to be executed after achieving a combo score of five instead of eight. So the two mo- the two previous upgrades I did, if you do this one, you can do them after hitting five, five combos in a row instead of eight. Right. Um, combo batarang powers up the batarang so it can be used. This is your, this is basically your quick fire batarang. Mm-hmm. It would be called quick fire from here on in. Yeah. Where you tap, you know, uh, L2 or left trigger to throw it. Uh, critical combo strikes doubles the power of a normal combo strikes when strikes are timed perfectly. Increases combo score by two. So if you hit, if you hit a fucking move at the perfect, in perfect rhythm, it'll count for two. Mm-hmm. Uh, inverted takedown. This one's fun. When you're yeah. on a gargoyle, you can, Hit circle or B to hang upside down like a bat mm-hmm. in a belfry from the gargoyles. And then when an enemy walks under you, you hit triangle or Y to swoop down, grab him, and basically hang him from his feet like a piggy. Now, the thing is, when you do that in predator mode, the the person you grab will scream mm-hmm. and you will be fired upon. So you have to get if the someone is If someone is within his vicinity and can see you, you will be fired upon. So you got to be... Sp- Smart with this. Yeah. If you, if, like I said, the, when you have the enemies that are walking back to back, if you do that to one of the guys, the other guy's going to see you and start shooting at you. Yeah. And you got to swing away as fast as possible to break their line of sight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next four are armor upgrades, mm-hmm. which, after doing all of them, gives you the equivalent of a second bar of health. Yeah. So, you, so when you get all four armor upgrades, you've doubled your health. Mm-hmm. Uh, battering power. 
upgrades the standard batarang power, increasing the time an assailant stays down. So when you hit an enemy with a batarang, he stays down longer. Mm. Uh, the next two are part of your multi-batarang gadgets mm-hmm. that are that you could do by hitting up and left on the D-pad. Uh, you have twin batarang, obviously. Throw two batarangs at once and try triple batarang three at once. Mm-hmm. You kind of got to move the camera around to target whatever you're getting properly. Mm-hmm. But if you do this, you could when you come up across like the groups of three with the Joker teeth, you could hit them fucking immediately. Yeah. All three. Uh, the next is remote control batarang. A lot of your gadgets are unlocked with this. So this is what unlocks your remote control batarang. Sonic Batarang, same story. Uh, Sonic Shock Batarang, this upgrades it to be detonated once thrown to overload the suicide collar of a nearby henchman. Mm. Uh, I guess we'll just touch on the suicide collars. Joker eventually puts suicide collars used for patients that are on like high alert for suicide, that if their heart rate drops down a certain degree, an alarm go- will go off. Yeah. So, so a medical team will rush in. Joker puts this on his enemies later, uh, on his henchmen later on, so that if you take one of them down, an alarm will go off alerting everyone else. Yeah. Um, next we got multiple frequency detonator. It allows the selective detonation of explosive gel. So if you want to put gel, explosive gel in certain places, like near weak walls to take down enemies, you could selectively detonate them. Auto proximity detonation basically turns them into a proximity mine. Right. Enemy walks by, he's going to hit it. Cryptographic range amplifier. When you get the cryptographic sequencer, this will increase the range so you can get panels further away from you. And last but not least, cryptographic power amplifier. This makes it easier to decipher the codes. Yes. This like increases the it, it literally increases the I guess range of where of correctly landing on the analog sticks. Now with the detonation gels, do you use those often when predatory mode or no? I n- almost never use them. Yeah, me neither. I, I I've seen them in use. They're cool. I know you have to use them later on for one quick thing. But otherwise, like, I rarely use them. Other than that, I never fucking use them. But back to the story. Once you get this out of the Batmobile, you set up another crime scene looking for the, uh, looking for Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. And you find his pipe that, that, uh, Oracle got him. Mm-hmm. So now you're tracing tobacco in the air. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Was he, was he, does he fucking inhale? Is he a chimney? Him? Is that, th- does he wear that thing like I wear my CPAP machine? <laughs> yeah. It is like, like we had mentioned before about following Bulls's, uh, Alcoholic breath. Yeah, it gets it gets a little on the wonky side. But it's more science fiction than it's comic books. Well, like, were we really gonna were we really gonna debate the validity of that? Indeed, but this takes you through to Arkham West, where you get to the medical center. Now, you, if you try going in the front door, Harley Quinn's got you cut off with the electric security fence, mm-hmm. and Commissioner Gordon is you know tied up in a chair. Now we watch I watch the show Boundary Break on the YouTube channel. She's by uh, the guy she says. We watched the episode. Apparently, Gordon's character model, which cannot be viewed by Batman no matter where you stand, is even actually... In detective mode. Even in detective mode. In detective mode, you see a skeleton there chained to the chair. The actual character model, they just duplicated Harley Quinn's and kind of like stretched the proportions of like neck, arms, and to match, body. To match Gordon's body type. To match like an adult male instead of having to load another character model into memory. Mm-hmm. You know, that would have just increased the load times. And that's but, why there's so many load times when you go into different rooms because that's that's how they're able to save memory and going from oh man going from PS going from PC to PS3 I have a fucking uh, NVMe solid state drive in my laptop mm-hmm. going from that to a fucking spinning disc with a, with a with a mechanical hard drive some of the load times the way the doors load slow open slowly oh boy. to load in the next area fuck me especially if it's the doors with the scanners. Yeah, the ones that you see in the penitentiary later. Like but, that's that, that's like you are solid five seconds standing there waiting for that door to open. Yep. But after another predator encounter, you actually you 
uh, save another group of doctors. Now, they tell you that there's some more doctors are being held hostage. Uh, after saving them, one of the doctors that you end up saving is actually Dr. Young. Mm-hmm. And she's, well, you also save uh, Aaron Cash, who's like kind of held in this one room. You save you safeguard Cash. You save uh, another doctor by the name of Dr. Chen. He's in the surgery room. Right. Strapped up. And then last but not least, you save uh, Dr. Young. Now, she's the only place where you really use the fucking um, explosive gel to... Right, because she's in this kind of cube-shaped room. You have to detonate both walls at the same time because she's surrounded by guards with guns. And if you detonate one wall... One, they kill her. Yeah. So you got to sneak around and you got to stay crouched because there are little windows to this room. Right. But you save her, you... You know, tell her to to come back. So her and Aaron Cash come back to the main area where you the main area where you had the predator challenge. Mm-hmm. And so, but more guards come out, so you got to take them down. So you follow the trail into the elevator, and that's where we begin. What's probably one of the most unique fucking parts of this game? You hear the sound of gas hissing and Batman cough, and things start appearing not as they are to be. Yeah, and it's subtle. It's not. It's not. Ramp it right away. It, it, it builds as it goes. If you look at Batman's eyes from that point on, they're like glowing red. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing this for the first time, like, oh, fuck, this is, Scarecrow's going to be here. Because mm-hmm. I hear the... <coughs> I, yeah. That's gas. The minute one things got wonky, I'm like... But the minute things started getting wonky, I'm like, Scarecrow. Uh, and I know it, it is probably one of the most enduring things in the entire franchise because that's why they brought him back in the third game. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the little hints to him in the second game. Yes. But you, when you get to the bottom of the elevator, this place is like even spookier than it was and you see Commissioner Gordon being dragged off behind this like mesh window. Help me, please. When you finally get to him, you find his body there. You check for a pulse. He's dead. Yeah. Batman closes his eyes and he... He tries to talk to Barbara and says, I'm sorry, but then you get like a, sorry, we are not here message. Now you've got this weird, like, Dutch angle going on with this. All of Batman 66. Yeah, with this, with this, like, motion blur that they, like, this full screen motion blur that they use to, like, almost simulate sickness. And cockroaches are crawling everywhere. All of the walls. You go into the morgue, you find nothing there, wondering, what the fuck? Why, why did it take me in here? Yeah. You go to leave the morgue, and sure enough, you're back in the fucking morgue. Yeah, and now there's three body bags on the three different tables around here, and you open them up one by one. One is his father. One is Batman's father. One is Batman's mother. And the third is Scareface. Is Scareface. Scareface. <laughs> scary face. He is sc- His face is scary. Because what do you think of the design of Scarecrow in this game? He reminds me, actually, of Carry On from Spider-Man comics, from early 90s Spider-Man. Oh, my Remember God. Remember from Maximum Carnage? Yeah. And he's got... These like Freddy Krueger hands, but instead they're the of hypodermic needles, they're hypodermic needles filled with fear toxin. Right. So when you go to turn around and leave, you are now in this like vortex of just like of your own psyche. At this of your point. own psyche, it's this vortex like broken off building. Scarecrow is in the middle of it all. He's giant, and you have to use your stealth ability to sneak around. Now he can see you. Like his eyes have like spotlights that shine light. That's how you know where you're He's visible looking, or you're yeah. not. So you have to hide behind everything. You have to get to like a bat signal. Shined it on him. That's what weakens him. That's that's basically what defeats him. That's how you beat every Scarecrow encounter. You have to sneak past his line of sight, get to these bat signals, turn them on, and, you know, knock him out. Mm-hmm. So when things get back to normal, you go back through, you know, the way you came, and you find the body of a guard where you thought Commissioner Gordon was. He and wasn't dead after all. No, it was just your mind projecting. You think that you failed and Commissioner Gordon was dead because of you. 
but but he wasn't. So traveling back through the lower corridor, you get to a new area where Gordon actually is being held by Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. I forget the name of it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, something to do is off the top of our heads. It is kind of it is tough at times for sure. Yeah, but it, experimental it, chamber. That's what it's called. Right. So this is another predator counter because he's strapped to a chair there with Harley Quinn, who's armed to the fucking teeth. You have to sneak through and rescue him. If you do this with detective mode on, you're going to see something a little strange. Right in the middle of the room, there seems to be a body suspended in the in midair. Yeah, you wonder like where the what the hell is that? Yep. So you get through. You smash down and you take down Harley Quinn, defeating her, and you free Gordon. Right. This is the first time you defeat Harley Quinn. This is the first time. She she will be back. Unfortunately, when you defeat her for the fucking last time, you know, she is beaten. But Gordon and Batman go and investigate what that was. It's Bane. He's fucking, like, strapped to this, like, shit in midair. His right. body is skinny as fuck. He's been... Yeah, he's been drained. Drained of all, of all his venom. venom. And he's literally been harvested for what powers him. And it's, it's part of Joker's, um, uh, like uh, his plan here is to use the, the, the venom that powers Bane and use it with a new formula called Titan, which we'll find out it's part of Amanda Young's kind of secret. Penny Young. Yeah. And, and he's calling Penny her Young, the Bruja. Mm-hmm. And when we last saw her, she was desperate to go back to Arkham Mansion to get her notes, to get her research notes. Batman's like, no, but Cash decided to accompany her. To be just to be safe. I don't know how safe a one-handed fucking guard when everyone's getting wasted left and right is. He, he, he at least he's armed. He saw it hook. Mm, he's armed, all right. <laughs> but you know, Batman Joker pumps Bane through this with this fucking Titan shit, and they collapse through the floor, and you have your first boss, first major boss fight. I'd say. Right. This is where the boss fight I was telling you about, where the strategy is exactly the same as any Titan enhanced monster. Right. So. Bane has, like, three big, like, health bars. You have to knock all three out. And the strategy is pretty simple. You got to run him into the wall until he's, like, stunned, attack him, and that's what pulls out one of the tubes in his head. Right. The second and third times, Joker's going to start sending down henchmen. Yeah. So you just you got to balance henchmen with uh, Bane. And I got to tell you, on the, on the harder difficulties, this gets tough. Yeah. We didn't even get the difficulties. Normal difficulty is obviously tougher. Enemies are tougher. They will attack you more often, so you got to keep your better eye on that um, counter, button. counter button. On hard mode, same thing, but you don't get any indicator that they're about to attack. Ugh. Hard mode, you got to figure out for yourself when to hit the counter button. No, thank and you. it's a, it's a bitch. I've tried, I've tried, I've beaten it on normal. I've tried playing through it. It is a, it is a biatch. So after you defeat Bane, you got you and Gordon come up on um, the surface of Arkham West, but. Bane wasn't beaten. He breaks through a wall, and Batman programs the Batmobile to ram him off the fucking road into the water. Yeah. I kind of feel bad for Bane in this, because he was literally just used as a guinea pig. Yep. And and it's kind of thing, it, it is this, the idea of Bane and Titan does carry off into Arkham City. Oh, yes. So, afterwards, a, a little police boat that was there, I don't know, like, didn't Joker say he's going to fucking kill everybody if the police come? It takes Gordon away. Yeah. And Gordon asks, he called... Dr. Young Bruja, what does that mean? It means witch. Yeah. So Batman knows something is fucking up. Right. So he goes back to talk to Dr. Young. Yep. The race is on to get to Arkham Manor. Mm-hmm. And along the way, we, we find... Well, the fir- fir- yeah, first and foremost, you got to get to... Um, you want you want to research this shit. Batman has to get to the Batcave. Yes, the Batcave. Now, this is an underground facility that is, that is in the... 
catacombs of Arkham Island that nobody's aware of, that he set up a miniature version of the Batcave, complete with the supercomputer and certain items. It's wonky, but it ain't a new concept. You have not read No Man's Land yet. This is a reference to fucking No Man's Land. Batman, after Nightfall, set up a series of mini Batcaves in different places all over, like supply, like supply areas, like safe houses, all over Gotham. Uh-huh. In order, in just in case he ever, was ever stuck in this situation, one of them was built under Arkham Asylum. Huh. Well, why not be in the fucking heart of it all? You know. Right. I guess you just. It's one thing for Wayne Manor because it's your own private property and able to do whatever the hell you want, which is a great thing. A part of Cataclysm of him trying to protect his identity as Batman while Wayne Manor's in disrepair. And I guess it's just another thing, like, how he's able to get all that supplies to Arkham Island, or Arkham Island, and nobody notices it. Yeah. The Batboat. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But you have to go to a place called Dead Man's Point. It's a popular suicide place for yeah. inmates. So, after, you know, getting to um, Dead Man's Point, Batman jumps off the edge. Don't do it, Batman. No, no. No, don't do it, Batman. But, you know, he flies off. Excuse me. Excuse you. He um, flies off and glides into the Batcave area mm-hmm. where he goes into the uh, Batcomputer and he starts, you know, looking through his files and everything. I wish this was fucking subtitled. Yeah, I know, but it's fine. <laughs> and so they're trying to figure out what the hell the formula is, what is Titan, and what it, what can it exactly do to people if, if it go, gets out into the mainland, if it's actually released to Gotham. Yeah, and how the formula is actually incomplete. Because part of Dr. Young's um, notes that that she's trying to recover mm-hmm. has the missing formula. So you pick up the bat claw, mm-hmm. and now, you know, the race is on. we gotta, we got to locate Dr. Young. We knew that Cash was bringing her to the mansion Arkham, to find... Mansion, so we have to go to the mansion to figure out what the hell's going on. Now you have to go through the fucking labyrinthy cave system. It's the old sewer area. I fucking hate this area. Yeah. This area, and there's an old cave system under the botanical gardens. These are the two areas that can suck my fucking dick. I hate them. <laughs> Why, Mike? Why is it so bad? They are so old. First off, I look at this and I think, how the fuck did somebody build this, you know, a hundred and something years ago? But that's the thing, like, you look at Alcatraz, like, that thing's been really hard. I look at New York subway system and I say, how the fuck did anyone build this? Yeah. You got these, like, cavernous pillars and catacombs and stuff, all made of brick. You cannot use your back claw in it at all. No, you have to manually platform your way up here. You have to manually platform in a game where we already talked about how, how um, your movement is hindered. One of the things I fucking hate, like when you grab on – in this game, when you grab onto ledges and you're surrounded by bottomless pits. So I don't, I don't know how they built this stuff to the bottom. There's probably the corpses of like hundreds of fucking workers down there before labor laws were instituted. Of course. When you grab onto ledges, you this is one of those games where like you almost have to be – at like a perfect, like coming in at it at a perfect 90 degree angle. Yeah. Now, there are games like that. I understand that everything is based off of, you know, this this grid of p- these square pixels. Everything's a hard 90 degree angle. You get enough square pixels, you can make things look round. I understand that, you know, as they're called, your collision meshes are are based on like determining where something can go, but it all has to be some kind of like straight line. So mm-hmm. when you see like pipe work, Jutting out, and Batman's flying towards it, and you think you could get around it. He'll bounce off of it, doing that like wall bounce, but you only see like his fingertips touching the pipe, and he's bouncing off invisible nothing. I understand all this shit. There are some games where it's almost the exact opposite. I remember playing Infamous when you have to track down, when you have to like tail couriers. Right. I'm walking alongside like uh, 
fire escape routes, and every time I jump, Cole fucking like clings to the goddamn side of the building. I'm like, stop, motherfucker. It's a combination of that. It's a combination of the movement I, I described before. I refer to this as snap to grid bullshit. Because you are literally snapping to some form. You have to conform to some sort of a grid. And a lot of this stuff is laid out in ways that don't make it easy. And even though there is a physics engine built into this, which I will talk about, the Havoc physics engine or PhysX, NVIDIA's PhysX on PC, <coughs> every time you get close to a ledge and Batman doesn't immediately grip to it, it's because he's still conforming to a predetermined animation of bouncing off the wall. If you're not at a specific spot, I had the same problem in Breath of the Wild. When I'm trying to jump up to a ledge and Link will do like one or two steps, like like bouncing off a wall, like wall running. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, motherfucker, just reach up there. You can get it. <laughs> but he can't because the animation is not. It's preventing you from doing that. It's preventing you and And the distance determined, you know, is, is where you can act. Link will actually grab is thinner than you think. Right. These are all things that fucking take me out of the game. These kill my fucking immersion. These are all the things that when I look at the game when this is happening, I see zeros and ones because I know it's just a computer program. If you can't fucking do platforming, not everybody's Nintendo. No. If you can't do fucking co- good platform like Mario 64 or even Mario Odyssey, which just came out, or even fucking Mario Galaxy or Sunshine. I hate Flood, but okay. <laughs> if you can't do it, don't do it. Don't shoehorn platforming that you don't fucking need. And even th- 3D platforming, I'm not the biggest fan of. I, I-, I kind of feel like, and-, and this is the point where I get hate mail, but I kind of feel like Mario 64 was the sweet spot. Because it's not just, you're not just going left and right, up and down, and corresponding diagonals anymore. And you have, if you go, and you only have to worry about either undershooting your jump or overshooting it. You're either too far left or too far right. Now you're too far or too little in every direction. And that makes it that much more frustrating. That makes it that much more more nerve-wracking. And when you go down, bottomless pit. Now, with Batman, there is a reprieve. When you start falling down a bottomless pit, it goes go into slow motion. And if you tap R1, right bumper, the grapple button, you can he will grapple out. Back you where it was. But you'll zip line out at the last solid place you're on the ground, which could be across the goddamn map. It makes no sense. Right. Now, it, it is like... Trying I, to get these Riddler trophies in this area, the Riddler challenge in this area, is a fucking nightmare. And I just, I just think back to Castlevania on uh, N64 and the platforming in that and how the camera is your biggest enemy. Mm-hmm. And like how even into like games like this with Arkham Asylum where it is much more sophisticated in its physics and camera use can still fuck you up. It's, it, at the end of the day, you could put the greatest fucking – I mean they did put a great physics engine in both of these. But the actual gameplay is still adherent to what's locked into the code. If you can't lock something that really works well into the code, don't. Do it. Right. If you can't, if you can't, if I have to jump across these things and try to land without falling into a bottomless pit and it don't control like Mario, get rid of it. I don't want it. Mm. I don't fucking want it. So after making your way, and you will have to backtrack to these areas. And it's, Constantly. it's, it's pig shit. Yep. It's pig shit. It's poo poo. It's poo poo caca doo doo. And <laughs> I don't fucking like it. But you come out at, uh, Arkham, North is this? Yes, this is Arkham North. And Joker has snipers now. So now you got to watch out for fucking snipers because mm-hmm. they are they are uh, they are uh, a hefty biatch right. to deal with. And they're like not like they're even worse than when people have the automatic gun automatic rifles because they can kill you a lot easier. Yep, but 
getting into Arkham Mansion now, you have to go up to – you can't go through the front door because you got snipers guarding it. Right, so you have to climb through the ventilation <coughs> system and come yep. down from the ceiling. Right above the top of the entrance, you have a ventilation system to go through. Now, going through, making your way through – I mean, you have to deal with the guards that are in there that have taken people hostages and such. Like, very much like, it's kind of like lather, rinse, repeat in certain scenarios of yeah, gameplay. You're going to counter a number of guards. They're fucking searching this place for her notes. You get into the library area. It's this big, like, multi-tiered circular room. Mm-hmm. And once you get to the bottom of it, um, oh, no, not the bottom the of it. The top of it. Once you get to the top of it, you find out Joker has a booby trap set in there. Yeah. So, shit, what do you do? How do you, you can't get to the bottom, you're cut off. You gotta find a way down there to disarm it. Mm-hmm. What you gotta do is destroy, like, this big chandelier that's all the way up at the top. You gotta cut it with a batarang, go all the way down, uh, disarm it. Yep. You know, it turns out it was just a big joke anyways. Of course. It's just like a big punch glove that comes out with a mm-hmm. note joke saying, ha ha, mm-hmm. free the guards. And, you know, you're looking for Dr. Young, but you can't find her. The, the the guard said that she was here and then took off. So you have to go, you have to go um, back to the entrance, or you know, you go to her office. You have to go find her office. Right. Now you get into like a file area. You have to free uh, guard cash. You mm-hmm. have more predator encounters. Right. Eventually, you do get to Doctor Young's office, and you see through on the security camera that she actually took her notes. Mm-hmm. And she hit him, and you had to follow. You set up a crime scene again, and you follow her handprints and her fingerprints, and you follow her throughout where she had hit her notes, which takes you all the way back to the circular room. Well, now what would what, what what would Batman have done if freaking she didn't touch anything on her way there? Shit out of luck. Uh, grievously, I, I would say, not shit out of luck. Grievously, shit out of luck. However, that's the one thing. How the how many clues are sent when it comes to her handprints everywhere? It looks like she was just dragging her hand against the wall the entire way back from her office all the way to where her hiding, her hiding spot of the notes. And so while he, Batman follows her all the way, follows her, her retraces her steps all the way back to the circular room, finds the notes and burns them. Yes. Finds the note, does find the notes back where in that circular library room, burns them. As he leaves, you come into the next section, and it says Wayne Manor on top of it. Like, what the fuck? And then you walk in this very long hallway, and then all of a sudden it starts to rain indoors. It starts to rain indoors, this never-ending hallway. And as you keep hearing these flashes, you see, you start hearing flashbacks. You got paper blown around. This was so much cooler on the PC version because of the advanced physics, mm-hmm. NVIDIA's physics. You see actual pieces. Instead of just hunks of paper, you see pieces of paper flying around. They have the physics of a fu- – they fold with the physics of a dish rag more than a piece of paper, <laughs> but still cool to see. Um, I don't want to dive too much into version differences, but we have the Havoc physics engine on consoles mm. and NVIDIA's proprietary physics engine. Right. Um, back in 2009, NVIDIA suggested you have two uh, SLI set up with two graphics cards, one for the game, one for physics. That's how advanced it was. Nowadays – and I remember looking into this like – like, this is so cool, but I want to get a dedicated physics card. I found out they don't actually make them anymore. There was a time when they did, but then there was a time when they stopped making those, and they just had it to where um, your regular graphics card can do it. Now your fucking processor can do it. So that's how far we've come. I'm just saying, like, was there not a demand for it, or just the computers got advanced to the point that they don't need it anymore? I think both. Okay. I think both, because eventually I, I know the demand wasn't – I don't think that 
the demand was huge, but I know in, well, I also know NVIDIA bought out the company that originally made it mm-hmm. and, and has put it integrated into every graphics card they put out since. Right. I know in NVIDIA's control panel that I have on my laptop, you can go into it and determine what, what, uh, is responsible for using the physics. Is it, uh, the CPU or the graphic card? I just hit auto select. Gotcha. So whatever, whatever, whatever's, uh, whatever's got a free hand, that can do it. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool, like, like in the, in the, PC version, when you run through like, um, like some of the areas, the outdoor areas, you'll see leaves kick up. Mm-hmm. There'll be when you go through the vents, there'll be cobwebs hanging there. And I, in the normal versions, like console versions, there'll be like these transparent 2D objects that maybe kind of wobble. I know on the PS4 remaster, which we we'll talk about, they kind of do that. They'll actually break apart when you go through them on PC. Sometimes you'll see like caution tape up that you can just walk through and rip, and it'll dangle accordingly. Oh wow! Like Batman's cape is is a heavy part of the physics engine and how objects move. So having Havoc physics, which was becoming very popular for things like ragdoll physics, which the enemies use when you beat them, mm. and sometimes they start fucking spazzing out if they land funny. Right. That was becoming a thing, but when it comes to actual physics, uh, the PC version's got to beat, and this heavy part with the never-ending hallway, transitioning from indoors to outdoors, really, really utilized that beautifully. Nice. So yeah, the hallway continues, and now it's slowly transitioning into an alley. Instead of seeing like gar- instead of seeing like stacks of papers and garbage cans fall over, you see like outdoor garbage cans, not yeah. like waste paper baskets. No, these are trash cans. Yeah, and then you'll come out and it'll turn more and more into buildings, and then finally, when we get to the end of this little loop, Batman will come to his parents' dead bodies, collapse to the ground, and then you'll transition into young Bruce Wayne. Yeah, where you hear the voiceover of the whole thing. Right, and you are you find out this is Crime Alley you're walking in. Yep, and, and then you're like, "Wait, how the hell is this happening?" Because we're in another scarecrow, scarecrow theotoxin scenario. Now, one of the new additions to this scenario is he could stab his syringe, these giant scarecrow, stab him into the ground, and have like skeleton enemies come up and attack you. It is like Batman and Jason and the Argonauts, pretty yeah. much, or, or uh, Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness, and there even is a Titan one that you get later. I remember now. This was the ba- this was the basis for the um, Scarecrow DLC, Scarecrow Nightmare. I think it was. Right. And that GameStop, when they had the pre-order bonus to get this, because this was pre-order bonus DLC, they had this, like, fancy commercial where you got the skeletons, like, doing, like, doo-wop, singing, them bones, them bones come rocking along. I remember that commercial. It was pretty cool. That's why I always called it the them bones DLC, but them that's bones. not it. Them bones. <clears throat> and it wasn't oh, available. It actually wasn't available on, for a while. Really? DLC, because it was a pre-order bonus. So oh, that makes sense. A while after it eventually, because all the DLC for this, for all the Arkham games, I fucking snapped it up immediately. Of course. And so, you have to platform it yet again in order to get to the uh, search. Th- this is smart platforming, though, because you're doing it almost entirely on like a, in like a two-dimensional way. Kind right, of. because the camera pulls out and you're in profile the entire time. Yes, you have a fixed camera. Yes, you can move up. Yes, you can move back and you'll fall off if you're not careful, but more often than not, you don't have to worry about it. Right. But when Batman comes to, he's at the top of the bell tower, and to get down, he basically batterings it, collapses the whole bell down, a la Batman 89 in the cathedral. Right. And that actually opens up another wing that you can get to, because mm-hmm. that was originally uh, covered by, like, a holding, like, a security uh, checkpoint. Right. Which has now been destroyed. It's destroyed because of the bell falling down. Yep. So when you get into Warden Sharp's office, which is where Dr. Young is, she's being held hostage by Zaz. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to do sneak in, do like a corner cover, which you can also do for sneaking around when you're crouching with the R2 doing your stealth walk. If you come to a corner, you could hit the A button to corner cover. Mm-hmm. 
I like when Metal Gear Solid Five did it, but or even when any of the Metal Gears did it when you didn't have to press a button. You just like you just lean and you, you just flatten. Get... I mean, Metal Gear Solid Four, you did. They kind of changed things up a bit. But I love the way MGS Five did it, where you could, when you're sneaking with just the movement of the analog stick, no buttons held after you toggled your crouch. If you come up against the wall, you can kind of, kind of flatten yourself against it. But when you come to a corner, you won't go any further unless you like really hit the button. Mm-hmm. So you come to that corner cover, you arm yourself with the batarang. And every time Zaz pokes his head out from behind her, you got to time your hit just right. right. If you don't, he'll kill her. And so you knock him out for the second time. Yep, you knock him out for the second time. And she, Dr. Young is fucking frazzled at this point. Her makeup's all running. Uh, you know, and earlier when you were in the caves, this is where this story, go- Dr. Young's role in the story goes. Apparently, an alias of Joker was paying money towards Dr. Young to develop this Titan formula. Mm-hmm. And as you get through Joker's uh, tapes that you find, you find out Joker was... This has all been part of Joker's master plan. He had Dr. Young develop the Titan formula using Bane as an experiment. He was funding it. And then when he tried to... to well, when she tried to stop because she thought it was going too far, he didn't like that. No. And that's why he threatened her, and then she becomes integral to his scheme right here. And why he allows himself to get recaptured. Mm-hmm. So, get, so he can get a hold of her. Yep. So she goes to get... Uh, she, she goes to get something out of um, Warden Sharp's safe. I believe it's the rest of the formula, or like the antidote. But Joker's booby-trapped the safe. And blows her up and kills her. Kills her. And knocks you out. Knocks you out, yep. So you got some guards that you got to that you gotta fight off. And you got to get a hold of uh, Warden Sharp to get now to get his key card to get into... To, to basically unlock the remaining electronic doors. Right. And now it's another, like, follow-up mission after you've defeated some guards you have to follow and you have to save, uh... uh Warden Sharp. Warden Sharp. Um, Harley Quinn had stolen his, like, little, like, walking cane. Like, his staff, pretty much. It's his staff, his walking cane. She hit you, you over the face with it and it broke apart. Mm-hmm. So, you detective mode, you know, you set up a crime scene, you scan that, and because you know he hit her and she hit him in the face with it earlier. Mm-hmm. So you got to find Warden Sharp based on trails of, I guess, his blood in the air. Yeah, or like blood droplets and stuff yep. like that. Now this room, Warden Sharp's office here, this will come heavily into play in post-game content. Yeah. So your quest leads you into now the penitentiary. And this is the part, this is the area of the game that scares me the most. What, with all the inmates and everything yeah. there? Yeah. When you go further and further into it, it freaks me out. And so, in this part of the game, it's, we have to, you have to, we're going out to uh, Warren Sharp, but as you go further and further into the, into the penitentiary itself, it becomes less and less technologically advanced. It becomes more and more archaic in its kind of holding cells of inmates. Aside from, like, the, the electrified floor in the main cell block, mm-hmm. where you have a ton of just, like, screaming, like, mental patients. Yeah. Which are, like, going nuts. I heard that was recorded, basically, of just, like, the... the um, the staff who made the game, just recording them while they're, like, you know, hanging out one day. Right. And just putting in the back, like, just tell them, like, be noisy. You know, yeah. just hang out noisy and putting that in the background. That's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. It sounds a lot like what they do that day, fucking deprive them of uh, food for, like, a week. Yeah, and it is there's this making weird, dislaying noises and everything. It's like, what is going on here? And along the way, Harley opens up the cell blocks. Yes. Uh, well, first off, you encounter uh, Poison Ivy. Right, in her in her holding cell that kind of deprives her of her ability. With her leaf underwear and her shirt wide open. Of course. But nothing exposed because video games. Yes. 
But, um, yeah, she's talking about how her plants are, like, crying out to her, like, there's something wrong, you know, and she, and she wants to be freed. But, you Batman know, has no time for this shit. Batman has no time for this shit. So when he gets into one of the big cell block areas, um, you come into, like, this weird cell that's, like, transparent, like glass, but it's got these prints all over it. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a mannequin inside. And you see, like, you, you'll you either see Cat, Cash, Gordon, or I think later on Sharp locked in there. But when you go into detective mode, there's no skeleton. No. Because because when you scan him and solve that riddle, it's actually Clayface. Yeah, it's Basil Carlo, <coughs> uh, Clayface, not Matt Hagen this time. Yep, locked up. So when you get into this one little cell block area, you get locked in to this this like control. It's like the main cell block control room. Right. You get locked in with with uh, Warden Sharp. But also, there is a person who won a contest uh, to be a part of the game. He's yep. also in the cell block. And on like the second, yeah, like the little upper floor, there's He's this like, guy like, with like one arm strapped to to like his his body. Just walking around like a fucking dog. Like yeah, a crazy and I, dog. I didn't know that who the hell that was. Until I never watched, did either. Until we watched the video, like doing the breakdown. We watched this. Uh, Did You Know Gaming's video in Arkham Asylum. Mm-hmm. But you're trapped in there, and uh, on the way out, Harley Quinn is convinced by Poison Ivy to let her out to be with her plants. Right. So Joker then opens up every cell door, letting out all of these me- mental patients. Now, right here with Warden Sharp, you get his key card. You get the other half of his code. That Doctor Young, you know, had, but now is lost, mm-hmm. and you get the cryptographic sequencer. This lets you into any room that has a control panel and an electric door. Right. So, but now you have a new problem. Now you have mental patients roaming the fucking grounds. Yeah, this is this is what I imagine. What the um, Smith Grove Asylum uh, Sanitarium looks like when Michael escapes. They are very. They are a very different opponent from your your uh, average thug. Yeah, thugs because they are kind of like how in Batman Forever, where you see uh, uh, the Riddler and his long like long johns with his like extremely long uh, arms for the outfit he's wearing. A lot of the inmates are in like these weird kind of archaic straight jackets. They charge at you. And They've you got can- their eyes like held open, like Alex Delarge. Right, from a clockwork orange, and you can, when they run towards you, you can counter them to pick them up, you slam them to the ground. You do like the Road Warrior Animal Power Slam. Right. Literally. And then you do a quick knockout. That's another uh, move that you have. When holding R2 to crouch, crouching near an enemy that you've just knocked down and you hit um, triangle or Y, you'll do a knockout move. That's pretty much how you have to subdue them. These guys, even if you don't like that, these guys will go down with one hit. One of the things I love doing with this fun physics engine we have is when they're running at me, I run at them and just about when they dive, cause the way they will attack, if they get you, they'll get on your back and try like choking you out and you have to tap, you know, X or a to get them off right. as your health solar Janes. If you do a jumping kick at them right when they do that, they will fly directly up into the air, oh my God, land back down and be not, and be knocked out. They'll be done. I've never done that before. It's so cool. I love doing it, Oh my! but you got to time it just right. Jeez. So when you get back to the main cell block, Harley Quinn is atop all the cells, and she started the electrified floor with a guard still on there who ends up getting killed. Zapped. Sadly. Zapped. Done. Rest in peace. Yes. Barbecued. <laughs> uh, so you have to get, good. you got to get up there right before um, the electrified floor turns on, and you got to do, like, another little encounter fighting with the guards mm-hmm. while Harley Quinn is, you know, farting around and stuff. The guards, the guards will go for guns. Yeah, so that's another thing that that starts here. Like, if there are guns available, like, in a uh, case that's uh, strapped to the wall, they will go for it. You have to keep an eye on them if you see them going for that. Sometimes there are gu- guns strapped up there like fire extinguishers. 
Right. Like emergency guns. Because, you know, you, you'd want those in the asylums in just, just such occasions. See, that's the thing, though. It's like we're joking right now, but I kind of would. Like if there comes a point where you would literally have to, to save someone's life in a life or death situation. Oh, you, no, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm being sincere in that kind of regards there. And so you have to go around in order to try and stop Harley Quinn yet again. Yes, following through, you come across uh, areas where you have to save guards from some booby-trapped areas. They're held above electrified puddles. Mm-hmm. And you got to break them out, but when you break them out, she sets off a gas booby trap, right? But then cuts the amount of time on you, so you got to use the cryptographic sequencer to get out. Mm-hmm. That room is pretty much filled with gas, and you're kind of cut off from it until like the end of the game. You get the ultra bat claw, ultra black claw. But if you're not playing for riddle to complete riddler challenges, which you don't have to go back, there. you don't have to go back there. Which why, why the fuck wouldn't you continue the riddler challenges? Having replayed and being again, that's one of the places I have not gone back to to get the that uh, riddler trophy from. But finally, we get to the next. I, I don't know if I want to call this boss fight or mini boss fight, but it's a bit of a challenge. You get this like major holding cell, I guess, for like major super criminals and a control booth. You've got three different levels here. You got <clears throat> you got one in the middle, and you got two that are kind of elevated. They're elevated from on it. either side of them. Now Harley Quinn is up at the control room, and she's sending down all. Her, she's sending down a whole bunch of men at a time. This is where you start encountering guys with the the tasers mm-hmm. that you gotta evade. Do the double tap evade to jump literally over them behind them, and then knock it out of their hands. As these guys are coming, Harley Quinn is is electrifying one of the three floors. But in order, she'll she'll start electrifying the left, then the middle, then the right, and you got to start going between these floors while still fighting all these enemies. It is funny when you evade them, and the other, there's some people on the platforms who have not done nope. it yet, and they get zapped. That's the way to be. But for the most part, they do follow you up. You up there, good. So once you beat all those enemies, Harley comes out to attack you. You stop her and put her in her own holding cell. So right. Harley Harley Quinn is taken out of the equation for the rest of the game. And but however, she thinks that Joker is going to save her. Nope. Nope. He's not. Nope. And, and and I love one of the cells in there is covered in ice. It's covered in ice. You scan it for a rid- uh, you scan it to solve a riddle about Mister Freeze. Right, but he's not there. Yep. On ba- on uh, boundary break, we saw his character model is not actually in the cell. No. The cell is pretty much empty. And so then you you have to continue along the way and you get out of the penitentiary here. Um, the sooner uh, the better because it, like I said, it gives me the creeps. Um, and this is when you have to when. Uh, I forget this is when Poison Ivy really starts to make her move in uh, this part of the game or not. Because I know that she becomes a, a big part of, like, near the final act of the game, or, like, the second half of the game, I should say, at this point. But, um... So, you get out of the penitentiary, and you head back to... Uh, I forget which, uh, which area you have to head back in. So, upon putting Harley Quinn in one of the cells, he scans her hand for fingerprints... Throws her in, and she says, "Oh, you're not going to find Mr. J. He's in the bota- he's in a secret lab in the botanical garden." Oh crap! <laughs> yeah, I know. So he sets. That his- is such a Harley move, right there. Yeah, he he sets the um, scanner to scan for fingerprints that only have traces of chlorophyll. Right. You know, showing basically where where to go. So you get in the botanical gardens, and after a good predator encounter and saving some hostages. You pretty much have to navigate through, you know, a series of ductwork to come out to this one main area. Mm-hmm. And when you get to where you're going, you f- when you 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 come to a what is it, the aviary? I think it is. Yes, I believe that's where it is. With this big bottomless pit, and you have two hostages being held hostage in cages. Right. Uh, this is another predator encounter, and you have one guy in the control room above. Oh, so, Batman Forever. Yes. So if 
Yeah, right. <laughs> so if anybody, if you alert a guard, you have to take all these guards out completely silent. You cannot alert them once, or else the hostages will be killed. Yeah, you have to take out the the, the guard, the operator, the first. operator first, then everybody else. <clears throat> but you have to get past a few to begin with. Right, and so you have to hook and dive and hide and yep. all your way all the way out to the top of the to take out this operator. Mm-hmm. So once you take all them out, you know you continue your scan, and there's a hidden passageway. There's like a, a hidden area, you know, push but, on the push on the button right. or push on the, the panel fake, in the wall. And the fake wall opens up. Yep. And where you get into Joker's area, it's like this big greenhouse. He's got two henchmen there. And instead of shooting Batman with this gun that he presents, he shoots them right. and mutates them. So now you have a, another Titan fight, but mm. you got two of them this time. Strategy remains the same. However. you got to knock out three health bars. However, when you knock out a health bar... Um, you can actually get on top of these guys. They they like take a knee because they're injured. You can mm-hmm. get on top of them. You know, ride ride them like the bull. Yep. And they're swatting it whatever they can, trying to get a- you including off. Including the other Titan uh, goon that's in there. Including the other Titan goon and any other goons later on that. And, be and your combo keeps going up no matter how many people you. Yes. That's another thing that keeps. That's another way if you want to keep your combo up is is use utilize that to uh, to great uh, extent. Yes. So after you defeat them, the um. You have to find uh, poison ivy mm-hmm. now, but you have you send in the bat the bat wing to give you another gadget, your line launcher. It, it is kind of extreme because you're in this kind of greenhouse, and all of a sudden the bat plane flies through the the stained glass window to hover there, drop the gadget, and then fucks off. And drops it, yeah, <laughs> it just fucks off. <laughs> so you find poison ivy, and she tells you that the only antidote for this is built on a with a spore that's only found in the lower levels of. Of Arkham in Killer Croc's lair. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And that's the second most nerve-wracking part of the game. Ugh. And yeah. you agree to do so. You, you agree to do so. Obviously, well, you got no you fucking choice because you're Batman. But as you're trying to escape, Joe, it turns out Joker's been feeding fucking Titan to these plants because now they start mutating and taking over the island. And it's 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 like... Pretty much like a pre-workout for a Poison Ivy at this point, and she starts to go kind of yep. berserk. So for a brief period of time in the game, pretty much until you get to, like, the final boss fight, there are areas of the island that are now completely inaccessible. Right, because of uh, Ivy's plans taking over. Yes. So you got to go back, case in point, when you go back to Arkham Mansion to talk to Cash about how to get into Croc's lair, her, she's got, like, her, was it, pheromones? Pheromones is, like, taking over, like... But it's basically the same thing as when with the Joker gas, where yeah. if you go into this area below it, you'll fucking choke and die unless right. you get out. Even though you think it would continue to yeah. rise, but whatever. Now, using the line launcher, you have to get across all these platforms at the top. More platforming, but it's more reasonable. Yeah. You find cash, and you tell them that the way through is through intensive treatment. Mm-hmm. The, the first building we started at. Right. Now, intensive treatment, you can't get back into the way you came. No. You have to go through the top of where the entrance is, where the Batmobile was parked. Right. The sniper's up there. You got to line launch your way in. Now, after getting through some ductwork, you get back to patient pacification, like the, the place that you pretty much exited from. Right, and this is when you deal with another predator um, mode. But they've put Joker has had bombs strapped to the gargoyles. Right, because he knows that. And the other thing with these predator modes, a lot of times Joker's on the intercom, informing of his guards like you're in there fucking around sometimes, and yeah. they, they even if you. Have taken out people and made no. Um, you haven't like raised any suspicion in the room. Joker can blow your blow your spot, and you're like all yeah. of a sudden crap. Now they're looking for you. Getting slowly madder and madder. Now 
Killer Croc's lair is below the elevator that you can, the crashed elevator that Harley Quinn crashed. You have to go back. As you're going through the cell block transfer, uh, you start getting a little wonky again, a little familiar wonky. Then all of a sudden the game glitches as if it's crashing. Now, if you were an Xbox 360 user, you, you thought, thought you just read, you're looking for that red ring on the front, like, motherfucker, no. Uh, I'm sure, like. I'm, I don't want to see red. I, I imagine there's, uh, numerous games out there. They're hard. Skip the beat in that moment when they play it at this point. But what's funny is that we get the opening cutscene. Of a when it comes of back. The, of it, but. However, something's different. When the bat signal that starts at the beginning comes out. It's jack-o'-lantern. With, but with the, the bat signal upside down as like a mouth. Yeah. And with eyes. And the whole opening cutscene plays again, except Batman and Joker's character models are reversed. Like, animations are still the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but Joker's driving, Batman's, you know, sitting there, like, fucking in the, in the passenger seat, like, twitching. Season, twitching. Getting Arkham Asylum, and you replay the whole beginning, except as the Joker. And replaced by the most of the guards are, like, the patients and henchmen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the major characters are now the bosses. Like, where Frank Bowles was is now Zaz. Uh, Harley Quinn's walking through with a big machine gun, you know. And I give credit to Kevin Conroy as an, as an voice actor here because he does, he's screaming the entire time, letting out guttural, um, noises the entire ride through, all the way to patient pacification towards it anyway. As you, as you walk through the cell block transfer where you can see the other side where the black cake patients were, shouting out to Joker before, now it's Gordon, now it's Dr. Young, now it's Cash. Yeah. And once you get to the end, the doctor that, checked you out before is now Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. The doctor that checked out Joker before that he scared is now Scarecrow. And then you switch to a first point... Uh, first person perspective. Right. He hooked you up with another hot dose. And... He gave her a hot dose. <laughs> Thank you, Casino. Um, and, and it is one of those things, it kind of leads to the question here, it's like, does Batman belong in the asylum? Is he just as crazy as any of the other people that are, he puts away yeah. in the asylum? Well, determining you're too crazy to live, you fucking Joker pulls out a gun and shoots you in the head and you get the fucking game over screen. That's something we actually haven't talked about yet is the game over screen. Whenever you die and get a game over, you'll see the background just be completely like black and darkness and one of the characters sort of come out of the darkness into focus. Right. Could be Joker. It's mostly whatever boss you, you're dealing you failed with on right, yeah. or whatever aspect of the game. Like Scarecrow's is pretty scary. Yeah. The way he comes out with that blurry out of focus. And then they'll tell you something, you know, to, to, referring give you a, to you. a tip. Yeah, it's like a low angle shot. Well, they're telling you, they talk to you as if they beat you, you know? Right. Like, hey, someone get bats up off the floor. And there'll right. be a little tip on what you did wrong when right. it reloads. And that's why I think my favorite one is in Arkham Knight when Joker is just a part of your personality and he comes out and he's like, Come on, Bruce! You gotta get up! We, we, we both can't die here right now! Well, what's funny is when the little retry quit menu comes up yeah. and the little tip for next time comes like up. move your head. It says you failed to dodge the gun. <laughs> yeah, like move your head to dodge the bullet. And you're like, wait, what? So you c- when it comes back, there's a gravestone, a rest in peace Bruce Wayne, and Batman digs himself out from the grave. Yeah. Covered in dirt. Beyond the grave. And in all the, and in this little new area, this new it- scarecrow nightmare, there's all these little cells with like, other Batman? Yeah, it is like your personal hell. What Psyche. would it be like? It is like being cracked open here. One of them is fucking hunched over eating a rat. Yeah. Like, not even, like, every time I look at that, I look at that, I'm just like, I get you a glass of milk with that? It's, it's the same reaction I have when I watch Red Dragon, and I see Ralph Fiennes fucking devour the painting of the Red Dragon. Like, I, 
just shoveling paper into his like, like, like it is such a it is such a strange visual in that movie when he eats the red dragon. Yes, it's it's a sight to behold. <laughs> but when you hit uh, Scarecrow with your bat signal this time, you think you got him, but you don't. You actually come to, and you see that you're fucking holding him by the throat, right? You know. And he stabs you in the arm again with even more fear toxin. And, which, like, it's a fear that a hundred men's minds would yes. break. And it drops you to the next abyss where you have a combat challenge. You have three bat signals there. If you defeat all the enemies, one bat signal appears. Then you get more enemies. This time they'll throw, like, titan skeletons at you that you defeat the same way. The only difference is that when they hit the wall, after you've hit them in the face with the batarang, they, they mean, shatter into they shatter, piles of bones. Yeah. So after you defeat the third one, you know, you've beaten... Scarecrow pretty much for the whole game. Yeah, and he just runs off like a little bitch. He runs off taking the other elevator down, yeah. which allows you into, you know, the Crocs next area. Crocs area. So after going down, beating some more enemies, you get into, like, the, the, the real underbelly, the seedy underbelly. And I do love the part where the, if you look, go through some of the ventilations at the bottom of the elevator, you do find Scarecrow's secret area. Yep. As he's planning something. He definitely plans something big. But when you get into, like, the sewer area close to it, and there's like a, a sewage river coming out there. You find Scarecrow. He's about to drop the fucking. He's about to drop the his uh, fear toxin, which is it looks like the magic powder from fucking uh, Link to the Past. <laughs> he's about to drop it into into the water sewage, supply. Into the water supply. But Killer Croc comes out, grabs him. He drops it, and Batman hits his shock collar, Batarang, and Croc dives back into the water. Right, and we think. Scarecrow is dead. But. You think Scarecrow is dead, defeated, whatever. Yeah, but that's not going to last long. But now that you're down here, you're a guy into Croc's area, now you have to try and find the spores that are down here. Yep, they're growing down. Croc's whole lair is this labyrinthian fucking maze. So yes. what Batman does is that there's a weak part of the floor. He draws, like, a really huge, like, explosive gel battering on it and puts, like, a little sonar on the one pipe. So you go through, and it's the sewer system that is, like, I don't want to say completely flooded, but it's flooded enough to where you, you'd have to swim to go through it. Right. And there's these wooden, like, rafts held up on it. Right. And you have to walk it's silently. Like a makeshift, like, pier. Yeah. You have to walk very pretty much crouched the whole time. You have a sound meter telling you if you're too loud. But even if you aren't too loud, Croc will still pop up at some points to challenge you. Right. And then, much like the Titan... Um Goons that have run at you, you just throw him at a battery. He gets hit in the face. As and he's charging. As he, and he goes back in the water. He gets water. hit in the shock collar, right. and that knocks him back down in the water. So you got to basically use this... Um, like proximity meter. Proximity meter that you, you, I guess you scan from Poison Ivy sample, and it'll tell you how far away you are in meters. And, you know, if you take a wrong turn, you'll start getting far away. It'll start blinking red, so right. you got to backtrack. You got to do this, what, three times, four times? Four times, I think, in total, and that's when you have to find your, get your way out of there. You have to get your ass to Mars and get, get out of there. Get your ass to Mars. And that's when Croc is really starting to come at you, and you have a series of things. You have to run from him at certain times. You have to hit him with a battering at certain times. And When you get close to the end, though, when you get close to getting out, he will just he will just pop right the fuck up out of the water, yeah. start chasing you, and the camera angle changes to right in front of you. And also, you feel like you're playing a Crash Bandicoot game. Yeah, where where, but you have to run away from him. You get far enough, and then select your um, explosive gel, and just wait for the right moment to detonate it. Batman will even say, "Now!" As Croc's running towards you, you detonate it. Croc falls into the abyss, and he's out of the game. Yep. So, continuing through, you're now brought back into the cave area. Mm-hmm. 
the cave area, if you had actually come to this area earlier, the door that you come out of, and tried to go through it when you were leaving the Batcave the first time, you would see Killer Croc come through the door and say, I will get your I know your flesh sense. like ah. paper. Yeah. Arg. Yeah, like real scary. So going back into the Batcave, you synthesize the antidote, but the plants are getting more out of con- more and more out of control. They destroy your fucking bat computer. However, you only ha- you were able to salvage one antidote, just one sample of it, though. Yep, but not before um, upgrading your bat claw to the ultra bat claw. Right now, it can fucking take shit out big time. Mm-hmm. So getting through, you get back to the fucking that one cavernous under sewer junction that I fucking hate. Platform yet again. Platform again, but Joker's pouring tons of Titan into it. Right. He's pouring tons of Titan into it because that X is like a natural reservoir. That leads into the Gotham water supply. Well, when it gets too big, it'll dump into the water supply. So you have to, you know, get to the very top of this. Now that you have the line launcher to get across mm-hmm. and you have the ultra bat claw to tear down walls, yeah. weak walls, um, you can get into like the, the, uh, pump control room where all like the water supply is maintained through. Mm-hmm. And luckily you don't have to destroy a train system in order to stop the water supply from killing everybody in Gotham. No. Through one predator encounter and one combat encounter, you gotta destroy three pumps. There's two in, two in the combat room, one in the predator room. Right. And when you get out and when you get fucking done with that, Joker sends a fucking Titan monster into the elevator area that leads to the rest of the complex. Yeah, and you have the, Fight a gaggle of guards to come down with them afterwards, yes. and you end up like finding like thirty goons plus the tightened uh, uh, monster. Yep, but using the ultra back claw, you're able to get through. You're able to escape, and it's back to the botanical gardens, which are now that much more tough. But in the meantime, Poison Ivy's grown a bit. She has these big like spore pods peppered all over the island. Mm-hmm. The island now has this pinkish hue over it. Yeah, and, because like, the her pheromones are filling the air and yes. it's changing the entire. Um, I guess the biology of the island at that yep. point. So, po- yeah, poison ivy, she do that. You have these like spore pods. Everyone that you you have to sneak up on, or else they'll launch spores at you. You can't yep. if you're quick enough. You can't take them out with quick batarangs. Yeah. But every spore pod you kill is a 50 experience points. So mm-hmm. if you want to stock up on health or experience, yeah, yeah. And also every time you defeat an enemy, your health you know restores to a certain amount. Right. But when you get to poison ivy, now comes the next boss fight: poison ivy. Now, okay, did I? Would it be out of line? Does this remind me a lot of Resident Evil 4? Uh, in what way? When you fight Salazar. I don't fucking remember that because I'm not the biggest Resident Evil 4 guy. Right, because Salazar turns into, like, him and one of his, like, henchmen, like, turns into a giant, like, monster at one point, And they have, like, it does turn into, like, a weird plant creature you have to fight. It, it just reminded me very much of this boss battle with Poison Ivy. Well, yes, Poison Ivy, uh, this gi- a giant plant breaks out from, you know, the back of the room turning it into a bottomless pit. She hides in, like, its cocoon pod in the middle mm-hmm. and has these two big, like, tentacle plants. Now the camera turns into, like, a fixed angle from the front. Your big strategy, she's got two full health bars you got to go through. Mm-hmm. The big strategy is that the big tentacle plants will jam themselves into the floor and vines and grass and shit will start growing out of it. Each time they do this, it... Depending on where it happens, the room will be divided into like thirds. Yeah. So if it hits on one, now you got one third is cut off. <clears throat> Sorry, two thirds are left. Mm-hmm. If they grab you, they'll start draining your health. Tap A or X to escape. Right. But then it'll back off for a bit and start shooting those spores at you. And every now and again, Ivy, her little cocoon will open. That's right. when you quick fire battering her ass. That's how you deplete her health. Yeah. As you take her health down more, you'll see when it goes back to the uh, part with the vines sprouting, the two 
uh, big plant arms that do it, they'll start doing it more often. So it'll come to a point where not just one is going down, but one is going down, then one after it, and you've got to find the one-third of the room that you're safe in, right? the one-third of the surface area. And, but if that's not enough, they'll start bringing up guards that... After you deplete her first health bar, she'll start adding guards in there. So you're fighting guards while trying to find the one part of the room you can stand in when not getting crushed. Right. And when you deplete a full health bar, that's when poison ivy, like the plant falls down, poison ivy is accessible, you run into her, you put explosive gel in the cocoon and detonate it. That damages it. Mm-hmm. The second time, though, completely destroys it. And that's when she's defeated. That's when her plant is defeated. Right. And now the plants have pretty much retracted and everything from Arkham that wasn't accessible before is now. Yes. So upon leaving the botanical gardens, you see a bunch of big fireworks going on. Yeah. And Joker announces, "With you know, the guest of the party's about to start. Come to the visitor center. We haven't even talked about the visitor center yet. Right. But now is the good time to com- really complete the rest of your Riddler challenges. Mm-hmm. If you haven't gotten far enough in it, definitely do so with the Chronicles of Arkham. Because as you continue going through, you know, since they count towards your Riddler challenges, when you go through the Chronicles of Arkham, around like the midpoint, something weird happens. This old tale from like a hundred and something years ago, he starts referring to modern events. Right. He starts talking about like modern, like Poison Ivy and, and Joker, Joker and Harley Quinn and all the things he would do, but referring to them in little ways like the clown, the doctor that saved the clown. The and then, and then it, it becomes much more egregious by name dropping them throughout. And you're wondering like, wait, if this is the spirit of Amadeus Arkham, he would not know who the hell this is unless. Yes. When you get, I believe it is the. 22nd or 23rd, I think it's when you get the 23rd, he tells you, no, you know, my story is over. And he even refers to Amadeus as a second person. Right. My story has been told. You must find me and continue my work. The actual bio that's on the story, well, the actual story that's on the bio page changes to, I've been hearing this story and how could this person, this it, it sounds like this is not really Ar- Amadeus Ar- Arkham, that there's a second person that works here that's, you know, has found these. Right. So by now, you should have a lot of clues as to who this person's identity is. Mm-hmm. And when they tell you come and find them, go to the last place you left them. Now think to yourself, does the voice sound a little familiar? Does it sound like it maybe be the same voice actor? That could just be a coincidence. That happens sometimes. Right. I remember in Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, Robin Atkin Downs, the voice of Kaz, Kazuhiro Miller, also did the voice of some of the enemies. So when you hear the enemies calling for help, it's like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Is that Kaz calling for help? I mean, Kevin Conway has different, different voices of other characters besides Batman in the game, in the animated series. Same thing with uh, Mark Hamill, so on and so forth. But the fact that this person has, has these personal interactions and seems to have a severe contempt, there's that word again, for these inmates. Mm. And he claims to be the spirit of Amadeus Arkham. Who could it be? So when I finish off the Riddler challenges, I save the penitentiary for last because I deduce that that's where this person is located. Mm-hmm. When you go back into that cell block where Clayface is, go up into it where you last left Warden Quincy Sharp mm-hmm. on the floor is the scribblings in the circle and the name Batman right in the middle. And when you scan it, you get the the... What is it? The glyph or whatever yeah. that it was with a picture of Warden Sharp saying, congratulations. You did. I am Warden Quincy Sharp. Congratulations. You discovered I am the spirit of Amadeus yep. Arkham. So Warden Quincy Sharp. And now the, the story in the bio changes to Sharp long hiding a secret. Doctors have previously diagnosed him with a schizophrenic personality disorder, but he chose to ignore it. How comes, how come could someone of his importance be ill like the dogs in his asylum? You know, inmate running the asylum. That right. thing again. 
On taking over the administration of Arkham Asylum, Sharp became obsessed with the hidden writings of Amadeus Arkham. As he read more of these memoirs, he became almost two people, one dedicated to curing Gotham, the other desiring only to eradicate the evil of insanity from Arkham. In his demented state, he has stalked and killed patients, his ultimate goal being to kill the Joker. It is possible the rational side of his personality is not even aware of this dark, destructive force within him. And this is not the end of... This is not the end of his story, not even for this game. No. Because Quincy Sharp and the Spirit of Amadeus Arkham will continue. Yep. So, continuing with what we talk about with completing your Riddler challenges, you can fully complete all your Riddler challenges by now. By the time you... And, and as you've been going on completing them, you hear Riddler getting more and more agitated. Like, he thinks what, you're cheating. Are you, are you looking these up on the internet? I remember my brother and I getting a good laugh when we heard that. Because you do find maps yes. throughout. You, fi- you find Riddler's maps. And that's actually part of the Riddler challenges. Collecting his maps are on there. Right. So once you get to, what is it, 237 out of 240, mm-hmm. you see Batman's little uh, detective mode scanner pop up. An address has been found. He's located the Riddler. Mm-hmm. So by the time you get the 240th one, Riddler's mad. He, he said, ah, oh, this will not be the last of me. My greatest challenge is yet to come. And you hear sirens in the background. Mm-hmm. Batman sent his address to the police. And Riddler's still cursing. Hi, Edward Dinkerwell. Shut up. Get on the ground. <laughs> so that's how Riddler's story in this end. Once you right. get all 240 riddles, you have alerted the police to his presence and you've beaten him. Right. So with that, all that's left to do is now go confront the Joker. Now, there is a nice, cool uh, achievement because you have a bunch of goons dressed up in, like, party favors and, like, have streamers and everything ready for you. If you knock all of them out, you do get an achievement called the party, party pooper. pooper. Well, you get to the visitor center, and throughout the game, the actual entrance to the visitor center, you, you will see the the thugs doing construction on it. Mm-hmm. They built a big Joker face around it with the mouth being the actual doors. And yeah. right outside, there they are, in, like, five of them in party hats with a list saying, sorry, you can't come in if you ain't on the list. Yeah. Let's see. A, B, Bane. B. Oh, Batman. And then he holds the list out, and it's a list of people, but Batman's name is written in red over the entire sheet of paper. Yeah. So you can beat them up, and like you said, when you go into the next room in the hallway to enter the visitor center, there's about, what, 16, I think I counted? Yeah. Thugs. All clapping and applauding you. They won't attack you, but you can attack them and get a, and get a funny trophy. Mm-hmm. So once you get into the visitor center, it turns into this first-person perspective mm-hmm. where you see all like the little holding cells. You can go into this earlier. Yeah, I, I did. I did that at least once. Yep. When you get to the end, there's like a dummy of Joker with a TV screen over his face. Originally, he'll tell you it's too early. Yeah. But when you get there, he'll say, "Surprise! It was me!" And he takes the TV off, and it was really Joker all along. Mm-hmm. So it turns out the TV is also a bomb. Joker activates it, runs away behind. The bomb explodes. I tried going anywhere in the room. Nowhere no will way. shield you. Yeah, you, you always get knocked out by it. Nowhere will shield you. But the glass is now broken, and now you can now follow Joker, who's built this gigantic throne out of, like, mannequin parts and an electric chair, and he's got Scarface's puppet. And I love how it, it does leave cre- give credence that you think Scarface is his own personality and not just a ventriloquist doing it, because... He, even though you do see Joker talking out of his mouth, Scarface the doll says, like, you're not going to get out of this. And he's like, oh, shut up, you piece of wood. And he tosses him to the side. Yeah, and then he just throws him on the fucking ground. Yeah. But now he unle- he has two, uh, looks like Arkham guards based on their clothes, pumped with fucking Titan, chained like with chains around their necks like dogs. And I for, at you. Uh, for a second, I thought one of them was Cash, but one of them doesn't have a, I think both of them had their hands, so yeah. I think it's not that. So now you get the, the pre-boss fight, you get two Titan two titan enemies and a whole bunch of regular thugs and i think i went through this most of the time like i would hop on the back of one of the titans and just me too. Clear out the way, piggyback but, them yeah this took me a while to beat on even normal difficulty when i first played it, it, it is normal. a pain in the ass and i think 
I think this is a little bit harder than the actual boss final boss battle. I think it's way harder because the final boss battle is almost a fucking. I don't want to say use the word disappointment, but it's obligatory. Yeah. So after you beat them, Joker gets all pissed off. He's got Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. He it turns out Gordon didn't leave the island. He's got him chained up, and he goes to shoot him with the fucking Titan gun. Right. Batman takes the bullet for him, and he's fighting it, and Joker's getting mad that he's tightening it. So Batman, you know, punches him in the face, and Joker, all despondent, says, oh, I guess I spent months planning this, you ruined it all, and I just wanted you to see the world as I see it, you know? Because he's because Batman's fighting has changed, and that's the entire point of this game. It's the entire point of Batman's journey throughout this game, because there are three kinds of major character arcs you could have in the story. A positive change, where a character goes from a negative point of view to a a positive point in life where they change their way around. A flat arc where a flat arc where they are the constant, and they are holding to their ideals and they change the world around them. You think of Captain America and the Winter Soldier, where he still holds on to his ideals, and even the cynical world that that Shield is in, he's able to he's able to trample it when he finds out it's Hydra. Spoilers. Then you have the negative <sighs> negative character arc where a person starts in a good place. It ends up in a terrible place. You think of Anakin in the prequels, and I forget what the other example is, but in order for, and that's what Batman's um, character arc in this game is a flat arc. And in order to, I'm going to define it real quick for everybody, because I'm reading from the book Creating Character Arcs by Cam Wyland, who it, it's another book that I, it's one of my favorite books on writing, and I I have it by my side at, at all times. Where if I'm writing something a little long form to help kind of map out my story, and to ba, 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 I want to say yes, the flat arc is the second most prominent one. The positive change arc is all about the lies the character B believes when he spends the entire story overcoming. The flat arc, however, is about the truth the character believes. A flat arc is a protagonist already has, her, has a handle on the truth, and he will use that truth to overcome the challenges of its plot and probably transform the lie burden world. And Batman throughout his entire game is that he proves that he's not like these people, that he's not going to descend into insanity where everybody else has kind of like relished in it the entire game. Even to the point where he almost has a physical transformation with the Titan formula, that he even before he gives himself the antidote, he's able to contain it to a certain extent because that's how much control he has in him. That's how much he's able, despite all the obstacles he has throughout the game, he's able to hold on. He's able to maintain himself. Yes, it's helped with the antidote later on, which leads into the final boss fight because Joker is so despondent. He puts the Titan gun under his throat to commit suicide, it looks like. Shoots himself in the shin. But then you got to know it's not going to actually fucking kill him. Though. No, but it, is a, it does give you a little bit of a mild jump scare. So you think, like, oh, did Joker just kill himself? But no, he mutates. Yeah, like Joker, like we actually see him on the ground, and he like he actually comes too. Yes, and because because like, it, it goes to a bird's eye view from wide, and it pushes into a close up. You think like, oh my god, he just killed himself, but no, he turns himself into a monster, and we go to the roof for well, a boss battle. Yeah, what we the way it transitions into it is we get a bunch of news helicopters, Jack Ryder's news helicopters saying that they got a recorded message ten minutes ago saying to come down that the final battle, you know, that the the big party will be on the roof. And Joker fucking climbs up there. He's now Titan Joker. We didn't see his actual transformation. No. But he's got like a, he's got like a fucking green mohawk and shit. Yeah. He's all like his, it's weird, like his ribs are showing. Like, 
Despite being muscle-bound, you can still see his ribs. Despite being, yeah, and he's all fucking muscle-bound now. But he's still talking in Mark Hamill's perfect voice. Right, you don't have it like, you would imagine it would be like a lot lower and guttural or something like that. It would be something more monstrous. But no, it's just his normal voice through this weird altered body. It's... It's kind of jarring. It's kind of funny. Right. And you you have Commissioner Gordon kind of sitting in a chair that's electrified. He's the special referee, apparently. Right. And so what you have to do is defeat all the guards that Joker sends you after you've hurt him a little bit. And once you do, you use your ultra backclub when Joker turns to the helicopters and while his attention is diverted, you yank him down to your level off his platform his finger uh, nails get stuck in the ground, and you beat him up a few times. You do it three times, despite how many guards are coming at you, and you defeat the Joker. Yeah, he's going to start swiping with his claws at first. You just got to – the big thing you got to do is just, like, avoid the hell out of them. And then eventually – this is what kind of almost, like, kills it for me. It's kind of fucking wonky because, like, you know, he'll, he'll – Jump up and say, excuse me, Bats, I gotta talk to my adoring public, and he'll have his back turned and everything. And it's like, what the hell? This it is, is so strange. The, it is the problem with most boss battles of video games where it's just like a, it's a pattern you just have to follow and then defeat. Yeah. Uh, not saying it's good. I'm not trying to um, exonerate it of it, but it, it's still, it is, I don't want to say it's tacked on. Was it, was that would be how you would describe it? This boss battle? Eh, I don't know. But also, while you're dodging enemies down there, you'll be dodging little booby traps that he's sending at you. Yeah, a giant-sized versions of the Chattering Teeth that are now bombs. Yeah. Which I love. I love for them to get close to me, and I, I leap over uh, goons and have the bombs blow, blow them up instead. That's what I do most of the time. It's... I don't want to say... It's the thing. I don't want to give it shit, but... It does come off as a little. Well, I mean th- that that part's okay, but it's just like the actual stuff with the Joker. It's like once you once he's done clawing at you, pretty much his role is done until you take him down, knock him down, do it again. Yeah, that just turns into your average fucking, um, you know, ch- uh, uh, combat encounter. Right. It's like mm. yeah, and so you do this three times, you defeat the Joker, and that's pretty much the end of the game. That's it. And then we get one last cinematic where... Well, he pulls Joker down for that last time. Yeah. Breaks him through into, like, was it like, it must have been like a water storage tank or something. Yeah. Where, like, electrical wires now are. And he gets fucking zapped a bit. He uh, comes up, and Batman uses the fucking cure on himself. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he used it before the boss fight. Yeah. So, you know, he tells Joker, like, how he will never let him win. Takes the explosive gel, sprays it on one of his gauntlets, and fucking explosive punches Joker right in the fucking face. Would you think it would have blown off his finger, his digits? But it doesn't. It is. It is. It's like a. It's a falcon punch to the face for Joker, and he's KO'd after that. Well, we see his gauntlet is absolutely tore the fuck up after that. Like right, circuit changes exposed. He's holding his arm. It's like limp there, almost. And and that's when. Commissioner Gordon thanks him. Everything's going to be fine, and, but and the Batwing is on his way. However, over the dispatcher for the, uh, the the squad cars from all the police and emergency vehicles arrive, we find out that the Second National Bank has been broken into by Two Face. And would Batman call it a night and just go home? No, he goes right back into battle and goes right after Two Face. Yeah, Commissioner Gordon offers him a ride. He tells him how uh, you know all the all the patients have been 
pacified, how the Titan, the people infected with Titan, it's worn off, which that'll, how much it wore is off will come into play in Arkham City. Some better than others. And there's Joker with his face all beat up, teeth out in a straight jacket, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> being taken away on a fucking gurney again. Right. And offers Batman a ride. He says, no thanks. I've got one. And then he hears over the, the, um, he hears over the fucking radio about Two-Face robbing the bank and takes off in the Batplane. End credits. Mm-hmm. Um, how satisfied were you with that ending? In terms of what? In general. Did you feel did you feel like for all the hours you put in that it was a good a ending? A sense of accomplishment? Yes. But I knew, with that ending, I knew, I would hope there's a sequel coming. Because it literally was just like your typical Batman saves the day onto the next adventure thing. It was... It's uh, very much like a comic book. I guess, but it feels like for the size of said comic book, maybe the ending should have been as more big. More definitive? I mean... I would say more definitive, just like something more where like... Climactic where it's like... Climactic where Batman leaves here in a completely different place than when he found it, you know? Well, I think that's the point, like I said, that's why like, he has a flat arc here, and the status quo has not really changed... I-, I-, I know what you're saying. The status quo has not changed for anybody in the story. Mm-hmm. Other than the people that are dead, because they're dead. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're dead. Uh, no, but like you think of the end of Arkham City, the status quo has changed. Yeah. Irrevocably. The end of Arkham Knight, same thing. That's irre- irrevocably changed. So I can see where you're coming from, where you think like something should have more... Um, I'm trying to think of another way other than change, or arc. Uh... I don't know, just something where it feels like we, we, we've left this chapter and we're going into a whole new one where things are completely different. It's kind of, it's kind of like how I describe Halloween Resurrection. Like, it's Halloween, Halloween the TV show. Everything is still pretty much the same as it was left, except like, yeah, these people are fucked up, but no. It's like a sitcom, like everything's kind of back to normal. There's like no feeling of like long-term ramifications. Like, yes, for these characters, there of course is, but mm-hmm. nothing in general. Where like, uh, end of Halloween one, you know, this town's Dark Secret has come back to haunt it. It'll never be the same. Halloween 2, you know, uh, fucking Michael Myers was blown up. Dr. Loomis was blown up. Laurie Strode knows that it's her brother. You know, Halloween 4, like, Jamie tried to fucking kill her stepmother. Halloween 5, she, the police station's been blown up, and she's been kidnapped along with him. Halloween 6, Michael's disappeared. Halloween 6, who the fuck knows? <laughs> H2O, Michael's dead. Dead. In quotations. Dead. Yeah, but, like... Arkham Asylum, it's like, it's almost as if, like, nothing's really, and, and I mean, I guess, I guess if you're thinking in terms of, like. It's supposed to be kind of a day in the life kind of story with Batman. Well, I guess also if you're talking in the terms of, like, a multi-act play, yeah, this is a decent act of the first one. The second one becomes the dark chapter where now part of fucking Gotham has been walled off, mm-hmm. which, as we talked before, well, after the ending credits, as the Batplane flies away, mm-hmm. we see a lone container of titan floating through mm. and a certain arm big bulky arm with a bunch of fucking tubes coming out of it comes out of the water and pulls it down mm. bane grabbed a hold of the fucking titan container yep which plays into arkham city so from this point on yes arkham city was announced but a year later after like about a year after arkham asylum was released a fan finally discovered something long hidden in the game. Right. I mean, no, I thought it was the developers had to tell everybody about this. Did they? I, at least one of the videos we watched tonight about it is like how this came about. That, okay, so 
if you remember the area where... if And you have to beat the game first. Yes, you have to beat the game. Otherwise, you will not be able to access yep. it. After you beat the game, if you go into back into Warden Sharp's office where Dr. Young was killed by the exploding safe, right at like the bottom area, right before it goes into like the little two-floor uh, file room that you came in from, there's against the left wall, based on the map, there's these like three you know sets of wooden paneling. Nothing... Out of the ordinary, odd. You scan him with detective vision, nothing. nothing. But if you put all three of your um, explosive gel charges on it and detonate them, you will find Warden Sharp's hidden office. And in it are his plans, blueprints, everything, for walling off a section of Gotham into into Arkham City. Right, because he realizes the penitentiary here on the island is not enough. Yep. That Gotham needs to be purified by... Gotham needs to be purified. By... Your mom. <laughs> segregating a part of uh, Gotham City into a prison state. Mm-hmm. Basically. So this was pretty cool. The fact that Arkham City was announced within the game before fucking it came out. And they would do this again at least, what, two more times? Because in Arkham City, there's the lone little boat sitting out in the river. Right. That when you use the cryptographic sequencer and you get, like, one of the hardest puzzles yet, it's Scarecrow's supply of, like, fear gas and victims and stuff. And, yeah, and it reveals his plan for what would be Arkham Knight. Yep. As well as you keep going to Julian Day, the calendar man, on certain dates, it hints at what Arkham Knight's going to be. Well, and, well, on every holiday, you get you every major holiday. But if you also enter in, if you set your, your console for the actual date, of um, Rocksteady's founding, you get a special message from Calendar Man in that one. Mm-hmm. But also, there was a challenge map, the Wayne Manor challenge map, where when you play the piano and, like, a little sp- hidden screen comes down, that gave you fucking nods towards um, Arkham Knight as well. But if you go into that same map, which is brought back in Arkham Knight and do it, it gives you Arkham VR nods. Yep, stuff to Ar- towards Arkham VR, huh. which I am yet to play because i got to get me a goddamn VR headset. Right. But, I mean, that's it for the story and everything. And when you complete all challenges, you do get a percentage, you know, when you go back into your profile because you make one. By completing every riddle, every upgrade, and every unlocking every character bio, you're only at 80%, 84% complete. And you're wondering, like, what the hell is that about? What the about? fuck? What yeah. did I do? There is the challenge mode. Right. Because the combat and predator sections of Arkham Asylum are so – the whole Arkham games as a whole are so fucking addicting – they actually entered into it a challenge mode where you can play as Batman. Um, when you beat the game, you unlock Batman armored, which is you with your full health upgrades wearing this nifty armored outfit. Mm. And on PlayStation 3 consoles only, the Joker, complete with his own set of unique gadgets and um, special tools special and attacks and everything, you can play various challenge maps that are pretty much beat-em-up or predator maps. And based on how many, how quick you do it, how many hit? How many hits you do not take? Variety of your attacks, gadgets, you can get a high score. Same thing. They have three different um, scores in there. Usually, bronze, silver, and gold. bronze, silver, or gold. Yeah, you obviously want to aim for the highest score possible. Of course, and and it's in like bat symbols. So one bat symbol is you know your bronze. Two bat symbols is your silver. So, three is your gold. Yeah. And you can and you do these through several rounds of combat. Right. It varies based on what actual challenge you've chosen. Right. So you get multiple tries to add up to this higher score. <clears throat> For the Predator one, it'll give you the special um, objectives to complete. Like, uh, 
in the very first map, you have Silence is Golden. I'm assuming that means... Not alerting anybody. Not alerting anyone. Blast Zone using a... Um, the explosive gel gels. And Mind Your Head. Uh, I think that is using the line launcher to kick someone in the head. Oh, okay. Something like that. But it's up to you to figure out... I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to figure out what these are. Right. And that's your other, you know, bronze, gold, and silver if you complete these extra objectives. Now, some of them, we also had... Uh, extra content, DLC content. Some of them are get as high a score you can for as long as you can, where you have this infinite loop of never-ending combat and enemies, and your objectives get the highest score you possibly can. Mm-hmm. So that's you know basically the challenge mode where you go in and you do all that stuff. By now you've unlocked a fucking shitload of character bios. You sh- if you've completed every done everything for the Riddler, you should have every challenge map unlocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got your bios, which you should have unlocked it well. You got your character trophies, where you basically see the 3D model of everybody. Right. You know? Which is pretty cool to, like, kind of mosey through if you're that interested into it. Mm-hmm. So, and truthfully, that's about it for Arkham Asylum. Yeah. I mean, now, how did you play it for this review? I played it, I did the uh, PC version via Steam, and I forgot how long the fucking game was. I wasn't able to, I, I finished it 100%. But I wouldn't have been able to do a full PS3 playthrough. But I had an old save file that was right where you go to the botanical gardens to fight Ivy. Mm-hmm. So I feel that gave me a good impression. It gave me long enough to play where I got a good impression of the differences. Right. But also, I've gone back and I've played the PS4 version, the Return to Arkham Remaster, which came out in 2016 for yeah. PS4 and Xbox One. The only one I wasn't able to get my hands on. I couldn't find a copy of it on Xbox 360. Now, as everyone knows, I'm usually the guy that Tim turns to and he says, all right, tell us how the best way to play, watch. Yeah. This is a tough nut to crack. Yeah, because, oh. There is this. There is some kind of distinction in every version. There's a pro and con for each version. We got, we got five versions here, folks. <laughs> five versions. The only ones I weren't able to play at all were the Xbox versions, but, you know, I've done a little bit of research. The most, any version you play of this is going to be good. Yeah. There's no version that's just, like, broken or horrible or whatever. No, this is not Arkham Knight PC first launch kind of thing. This right? is not Arkham Knight PC first and, in some for some people, current state. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of what version you have, it's great. So starting with the, the first consoles it came out on, um, PS3 and 360, they run at, you know, 720p, target 30 frames per second. I played the PC version first. Coming back to PS3, the frame rate was fucking jarring because it does not always make that 30. No. It, it falters. And even if there is, you get a lot of fucking frame stuttering. Like, like I almost thought I was high for a minute. And and in recent years, researching these things and learning about them, I've become more sensitive to it than not having a, a good frame rate. I set some of my PC games because when I want higher quality, sometimes I'll set them to 30 just to get you know more frames out of it. And it'll hold a stable 30. PS3 is not a sta- very stable 30. In many cases throughout that generation, Xbox 360, because of how much easier it was to program for, you would get the stable 30. I know Resident Evil 5 is a good example of that. There's others where, like, the PS3 version falters in the frame rate department. Right. It's not horrible. It's still very playable. However, PS3 has the sole, is the sole version that has the Joker content, the Joker challenge mode content. Right. Also, when you get the Game of the Year edition, back in, I think it was 2011 when this came out, but back in that era when 3D televisions were kind of becoming cool, 
This had a special game. Of the year edition came out the same year as Arkham City, City and I believe it did because I know that there were two packs released. Okay, and I remember getting it, and I gave my friend the game of the year edition. Of, it was kind of a lead Asylum. up, like a ramp up into Arkham yeah. City. There is actually this was in the era of 3D televisions. There is an actual type of anaglyph 3D available that you could play on any fucking TV. It's made. It's by a company called TrioViz. Theirs is basically instead of having the the red and uh, blue, it's like green and like pinkish magenta. Right. I do believe that the lenses are reversed in most common cases. And the thing I noticed about it is that it's a, it's a decent 3D effect, but the actual tints of the red and blue on the screen itself are not so severe to where you lose all color definition. Right. To where the whole thing, like, yeah, there's a 3D effect, but everything's red and blue, mm. like you would with regular red and blue anaglyph 3D. The downside to that, though, is that the 3D effect is not always as pronounced. Some PS3 games of the era, the only other one I own that used TrioViz's 3D was Assassin's Creed Revelation. I think that's a better impl- implementation of it. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, co- the natural colors of the game pop through better. Right. And I do feel that the 3D effect looks I think probably because that a lot of that game takes place during the day. All of this game takes place at fucking night. Night and it's a lot of its interiors. Night and interiors. So it's not bad, but it's not going to be, you know, revelatory, your, your revolutionary 3D experience. No. So for that, you know, I, I depending on your... I, and I'm going to have multiple winners here. So I would say for that generation, for what, what was that, sixth generation of consoles? Seventh yes. generation? Six. Seventh, I think. I think we're in eighth. Atari. Who the fuck knows? PS3 generation. Yeah. PS3 generation. Well, no, that goes even back even further. Magnavox Odyssey. Oh, shit. Forgot about that. So for PS3 360 generation, my particular vote goes to PS3 for the extra content. And even with the fact that it's not a solid, 30. even if the fact that it's not solid, because it's not, it's not game breaking. Okay. A bad, f- no, uh, that's the thing. A, an unstable frame rate you can get around. A fucking bad frame rate is when it turns into a slideshow. <laughs> this does not come any close to that. It's right. juddery. It's jittery. If you're, if you're, I was not sensitive to frame rates for fucking ever. Like, it's only like rather recent I become kind of aware of it. Probably through me. Yeah, <laughs> it's because you and I have watched so many Digital Foundry videos yeah, about and it, and, be, and I become like your eyes become attuned to that. I actually looked online to see if I could find some like frame capture software. I couldn't find anything good. I would have broke out my capture card. But then I remembered PS3 is copy protection, right? So I wouldn't have been able to get it anyway. Mm-hmm. I cannot confirm to you if the 360 version's frame rate is better, but regardless, the 360 has the option to install the game on your hard drive fully. Mm-hmm. Uh, PS3, some games can do that. It's so weird, because on the back of the PS3 box, it tells you required disk space, and it's way more than you would ever need for a fucking save file. So, who knows? Three, But like I said, if you have a 360, get it. 360 version, it's the first version I ever actually played. Same. Even though I bought the PS3 version, I just had to wait till I got home from Ohio to be able to play it. Yeah. Um, Return to Arkham. Do I want to do Return to Arkham or do I want to do PC version next? Because that would be kind of skipping ahead and jumping back. PC. PC came out about a month later. Uh, PC originally came out on the Games for Windows platform, which is now, you know, canceled. Now you can get it through Steam, like I said, about 20 bucks. Uh, system requirements we have here on Steam's pages requires either Windows Vista or Windows XP. does not say 64-bit or 32-bit. Uh, 3 gigahertz. Thank God it's not asking for Windows 10. Well, I ran it on Windows. It did crash on me twice. 3 gigahertz Intel or AMD or any dual core processor, so you got a wide range. Memory, 1 gig, you know, on Windows XP, 2 gigs if you 
got some, you know, one to two gigs. I think that's like the system requirement. Uh, graphics, PCI Express, SM3, NVIDIA 660, or ATI 1300. So we're going way back, you know. And like I said about that uh, SLI setup for PhysX, you know, that's pretty much impractical by today's standards. Uh, DirectX 9, which was common of the day, now we're up to 12. 8 gigs free space, and it can use any onboard sound card. I can tell you, I played it on... The first time I ever played it on PC was on a quad-core Intel Core i7-6700HQ at 2.6 gigahertz, um, 16 gigs of RAM, and a 3 gig GTX 1060, and the thing ran flawlessly. Mm-hmm. Flawless 60 across the board. Some frame drops here and there. PhysX enabled. And it was it was designed for 60 frames per second. It's PC. It's designed for whatever it is. Okay. Whatever, whatever the option they give you is what they give you. Some game like Dead Space, I know, is hard locked to 30 for yeah. some reason. But they give you the option. And I can tell you on that, and that computer is, would have been almost three years old by now. I don't have it anymore. I played it this time on a uh, Intel Core i7-9750H hexacore at two point, same speed, 2.6, and a 6-gig GTX 1060 Ti. So... And same thing, no better, no worse. So, you know, I would say any computer of the last five years, you could fucking play it on Mac settings with. It still looks beautiful. Texture resolution is a hell of a lot higher. Yeah. But I noticed with the PS3 version, it it doesn't it doesn't hurt. The lo- it, like texture resolution on the character models is still very good. Um, environments, it's a little lower, but there's a lot of texture filtering. I also played, uh, got my hands on the uh, M Classic by Marseille. The external video processor that originally started out as a HDMI cable with a external video processor built in. I have gotten their newest model, the M Classic. I tried it out with this. Say what you will. I don't want to get onto a whole new topic here because it will. Say what you want. I, I thought it cleaned up the PS3 version quite nicely hmm. because they offer things like, you know, anti, mostly anti aliasing on a hardware level. And uh, upscaling up to fucking, you know, 1440p with it. Mm-hmm. But this actually took it because I have my PS3 set to 1080p all the time for, like, Blu-ray and stuff. PS3 does have an internal upscaler, but for most times, for most instances, when you look at the back of the game case and it'll tell you supported resolutions, whatever the highest is, which is usually 720p, that's the highest you'll get. And that's what it'll actually switch to on your TV. So if your TV is set to one-to-one pixel... Display where where whatever you, whatever your device sends out is what you is is mapped to your TV exactly. It'll switch to 720p by playing it through this thing. It goes to full 1080p hmm. and upscales very beautifully. So that's a nice way if you're still playing on 360 or PS3 to get a little more oomph. Uh, I'd say do more research on it because it's one thing that not everyone can agree on what it does best. Hmm. But I think it does all those things great. So I was happy with it. Um, yeah, there's the physics support. Like I was saying how, like when you go through, was I, did I tell everyone this or did I tell you? What? About more in depth about physics versus havoc and stuff. I know earlier we were talking about it. It's been uh, so long. I think we've had private conversations talking about the physics and havoc, uh, differences and stuff like that, but I don't think we've talked about it here on the show. I think we said it earlier in this episode. We brought, no, cause you, you could buy an I external one, on uh, external one to later on, but you don't really need that anymore. You don't need that. Well, just to di- with how, with having the physics card, when you run through like Arkham, if I'm repeating, I'm sorry, when you run through the outdoor areas, you'll see leaves flying up. There'll be a persistent yes, like fog yeah. and smoke effect. We did speak about this. That's, 
pretty awesome. When you go through a vent and there's spider webs there, they'll on other consoles they'll kind of just wobble a little bit, right. but they'll, yeah, actually, they'll break actually break apart. apart. You'll go through caution tape, it'll break apart. Shit like that is really really cool. Some carpets will be kicked up. I remember that the first time I played Arkham City when you fight his Catwoman. Mm-hmm. There's like that big runner carpet. That whole thing gets kicked up. Really. And flies around, yeah. Huh. So you have that, and that's a huge that's a huge aspect of it. But what's even cooler was that Arkham Asylum for PC, right out of the box, supported ultra wide resolutions even back in the day. Right for uh, I could yep for ultra wide monitors, which were not common at the time. No, which they're fairly common. Now. Oh, very common now. Um, I tried looking up the original article, I couldn't find it, so I went on I think PC Gaming Wiki, and it said, which is. You could trust PC Gaming Wiki. Mm-hmm. I think it said native support for ultra-wide. So if you're a PC gamer with ultra-wide setup and you got a computer any time in the past five years, you can run this thing in fucking amazing ways. Mm-hmm. So, But now we have the Return to Arkham remaster. Things get a little more complicated here because now that you have the two base consoles, but you have the two pro consoles, that wonderful, that wonderful thing that I hope was just someone's brain fart and never happens again. I am of the opinion that the pro consoles, PS4 Pro and Xbox One X, are what should have been released fucking, what, six years ago now? Yeah, it, it kind of makes you think it was Sony and Microsoft double-dipping, that they kind of nerfed their baser consoles to release them first, and so you would it would force gamers to double-dip and buy a pro system later on. It wouldn't force them, because as we've seen with these pro patches, if you even get those, sometimes it's not even worth it. I think the problem was... They wanted to make something that was more accessible, and at the same time, they cost themselves future-proofing abilities. Because look at it. It ran, runs on a fucking – both of them run on 1.6 to 1.75 gigahertz AMD Jaguar processors. Not Atari Jaguar. No. It's the code name. But that line of process – like the, the specs of the PS4 and Xbox One were so close together. They released it on a processor that – I, I, I'm not. I, I'm not the one biggest in the knowledge of this. One of my friends is, and he described it to me as a processor that was that that pretty much would have been on its way out very soon. Hmm. Like like, so so making a console that's going to last the next six years. But the benefit is everyone knows how it works. You know, right? A stark you can program it to it. A stark change from the fucking cell processor of the PS3 generation, where everyone's like, "What the fuck, man?" Which is why some PS4 PS3 games lag behind 360 hmm. and sometimes in graphics and frame rate departments. Right. But still, fucking beef the goddamn thing up with, you know, like like they put the, uh, what is it, the 12 gigs of fucking RAM, GDDR, GDDR5 RAM in the Xbox One X. Why was that not in there for the first place? Xbox One X had, what, is, what the fuck did it have? It had it used like DDR3 memory, which definitely would have been obsolete by that point. PS4 mm-hmm. didn't. That's one of the biggest uh, game changers. But you got two fucking versions of a, of a console, Developers are forced to make sure that the game works for the lowest level. So, but right there, you're fucking handcuffing yourself. If you're trying to dream big, you have to go through even more fucking bells and whistles to dream big than you would if you had to dream normally. Mm-hmm. There's some games that come out for Xbox One, they might as well have a 30 frame rate cap, 30, 30 FPS cap. Right. Or give you the option, because they ain't getting over fucking 35. Ooh. I think re- the Resident Evil 2 remake is one of those. They should just put a cap on that one. Sometimes, like, you'll see, like, um, I know uh, Arkham Knight on Xbox One originally was uh, 1600 by 900 resolution, not even 1080p. And since there was no pro patch for it on Xbox One X, that's what it renders at. Sorry. But for Return to Arkham, they they went a little further. Unfortunately, with the pro consoles, they could have gone e- even further, but decided not to. They did all their work in the beginning. You have all new fucking textures. They 
transfer a lot of characters have brand new faces they made like face models and stuff batman one of them but it's not consistent in arkham city because then it's they go back to his old one right except with the new texture but the biggest difference is they they ported the game over from unreal 3 to unreal 4 it's now an unreal 4 so you have better lighting you have better reflections you have uh you actually have higher res shadows than you than your than you do on pc Mm-hmm. Uh, at least on PS3, uh, PS4. The differences between the two consoles is fucking rough. It's so hard to get through, especially with all these patches. But you started out with an uncapped frame rate that eventually did get capped to 30. Yeah, through a PS4 patch. PS4 and I believe a... Yeah. Was it? It was PS4 at first? I don't fucking know. Because no, I think it's still at 45 frames per second. That's Arkham Asylum, yeah. Oh. That's Arkham Asylum on Xbox One X. Xbox One X, for some re- for some reason, that famous phrase, caps at 45 frames per second. Which is what fucks it up again at 60, uh, 60 hertz. With a 60 hertz refresh rate television. So you have three normal frames. You, you have three. You, 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 the, it draws I'm three. I'm sorry, the super technical people. <laughs> it draws three new frames. Not to get into this crazy amount, but the reason 60 FPS is the magic number for for games is because it matches the refresh rate of televisions. Yes. When your television's putting a new image out at 60 hertz, that means that you get a ma- whatever your TV's refresh rate is, real refresh rate, not that fucking not that 120 hertz TVs they were they were advertising for years where it uses some shitty ass interpolation. Right. Yeah, it moves faster but it looks horrible. Mm-hmm. It looks like smeary. Whatever your TV <laughs> Is that series uh cousin they don't talk about smeary? Smeary? Smeary. <laughs> Or the 240 hertz? No. Like, you'll, you're seeing high refresh rates now on computer monitors and TVs. I think we'll get them eventually. TVs, TVs adhere to more rules because of the FCC and because of broadcasting standards. But when your TV's updating at 60 hertz, that means you could have whatever your refresh, maximum refresh rate is, that's how many maximum frames you could, frames per second you could have. So and then when you use a system like vSync, that syncs the frames drawn to the refresh rate of the TV. So. When you have 60 frames per second coming out, they're drawn at 16 milliseconds. Every new frame, every 16 milliseconds. For 30, the reason why 30 is such a well-used thing is because it subdivides into 60. You know, 30 divided by 2, or 60 divided by 2 is 30. Mm-hmm. So you draw one new frame, repeat that exact same frame. And then draw a new frame. And then draw a new frame. So every other frame is a brand new frame. And that, what is it, 33 milliseconds? Yes. Yes. So every 33 milliseconds, you're getting a new frame. As long as you keep that state, and that's what frame pacing comes in. As long as you keep that stable stable 16 or stable 33, your frame rate is going to be smooth. 33 or 32? 33. I think it was, thir- well, it's 16 points. Six, six, uh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Or 33.33, you know, gotcha, gotcha, one gotcha. of those. We're, we're rounding here. Mm-hmm. But 45, that's not good because then you get three unique frame. It draws three unique frames, then duplicates the fourth, and it's juddery. That's why if you ever play a game and you see kind of like stuttery or weird, it's because of bad frame pacing mm-hmm. or a bad or an uneven frame rate. Sometimes you could have 30, but it's drawing at 16, drawing at 50, drawing at 16, drawing, you know, going up and down like that. No, you want it. It's drawing a new frame fast and the next one slow. The new frame fast, next one slow. You want it stable and smooth across the board. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they put a fucking 30 FPS cap on both games, Arkham Asylum and Arkham City on PS4. So... It was originally uncapped on Arkham City, and it was a fucking mess. You rarely ever get near 60 until... Yeah, because it would go to 45 and then drop to as low as 15 at some it, point. It was all over the place. It was fluctuating. It was all, all over the place. That was with the 1.02 patch. If you kept the 1.01 patch and play Arkham, the Arkham games, I think Arkham City was the one that was uncapped. It's more akin to the PC version of the game. 
Well, play it on. Play, well, none of these are on a kin because PC never got it. The remaster. Oh. And play it on a on a PS4 Pro. You'll get a close to sixty, but not quite sixty FPS. So you're pretty much stuck with thirty. Your resol- rendering resolution is 1080p. It has a dynamic rendering resolution where based on CPU load, based on the load, instead of dropping frames to try and help keep that, it'll lower the actual rendering resolution even though the image that's go- sent to your TV is a fully upscaled 1080p. The way they accomplish this, though, is they only do it on the horizontal axis. axis. Your vertical resolution is still 1080 pixels. But your horizontal will lower where you see little dips in quality, but they, you may not, you'll likely not notice them. Cause the minute that, pro, the minute that, uh, constraint in processing power is relieved, it'll go back to full 1080p. PS4 and PS4 Pro get that the best. Original Xbox has way more drops with, uh, original Xbox One has m- way more dynamic resolution drops. This is getting fucking complicated, even. Yeah, me nuts, but. I, I, like I'm just like looking at you sort of blankly, and I'm like, I hope to God we haven't lost everybody at this point. Well, they're all unconscious right now. But the biggest problem with these pro consoles, no 4K support whatsoever. No, not even I, with the Xbox One. I don't give a flying fuck about 4K. I think it's too much too soon. But if you got a 4K TV and you love playing games in 4K, sorry, return to Arkham ain't happening. And probably the biggest change that pisses everyone off is there is an overall redesign in the entire color scheme and color palette of the whole game. Whereas the first game had a much more bluish hue to it, I would say. This has a more like dark greenish blue hue to mm. it. It's interesting. It's, 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 it's a, more of an art design choice. I wish they would have given you the option. That's why I wish there would be a PC release, which gives you the option for original textures. I do notice texture resolution does feel like it's higher res in certain spots, but the PC version holds up nicely to it. It's mostly background textures and environmental textures that may not seem as big. Or as high res as the PS4 version, but PS4 and I, I'm gonna refer to it as the PS4 version because that's the one I have, and that's ultimately from what the research we've done, the best version to get would be Return to Arkham on PS4. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, hold on, I, just, I literally froze in place. <laughs> but what the Xbox One, uh, I mean the PC version has in frame rate and physics and stuff. PS4 has in overall, like, shadow... Co- like, it, I, I did some comparisons. When you're in, like, vents and you turn around the way lights are reflecting, you see Batman's shadow in the vents. The PS4 version shadows are definitely better than P- even PCs. Mm-hmm. PC also shoots for some early ambient occlusion shadows, but they're kind of low-res and very fuzzy-looking. Right. A little odd. But to my ultimate dismay, when I played the PS4 version, all the cool physics stuff you could do in the PC version are fucking absent. I'm sure they couldn't get their hands on PhysX for that because it would have been licensing and shit. And also the fact that it's PS4, the consoles run on AMD processors. But it feels like, it feels like even the implementations of Havoc aren't even there because like papers don't kick up in the air. There's no leaves, no fucking caution tape to go through on PS3. You could tell they ain't using the Havoc engine to its fullest. It's more for, like, ragdoll physics. Mm-hmm. But still, every time you run by a stack of papers, you might see some kicking the, into the air. Not a lot, but some. some. Garbage cans go flying. You know, yeah. you see that in PS4. But the physics engine is really cut back, and that kind of made me sad because I, I, I like that. Is that done to compensate to for the 30 frames per second I don't cap? know. I don't fucking know. Well, A, you're not going to get what NVIDIA has because you're going to have to pay them for it, which is why, this, which is why a lot of... Monitors out there use FreeSync instead of G-Sync because you got to pay NVIDIA to put extra hardware into their monitors. 
And also the fact that it's running on their fucking competitor's processors. Fuck you. <laughs> he's making faces at me like he's falling asleep. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm going to throw this controller at your fucking head. <laughs> I, 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 I went what? Whoa. I went cross that for a second and you get throw a controller at me? Yes. But also with... All right, friends. I'm going to keep talking to you. My, yeah, that's right. You run out of water. I, I got the pitcher <laughs> of water over here and I ain't giving you more. You have dry mouth, bitch. <laughs> But with the enhanced reflections from the PS4 version, we get something we don't get in any version, even the fucking PC version. We get fucking rain and water effects. Yeah. It's raining on Arkham Island. Mm -hmm. It's raining in that opening cutscene, but it stopped when you play the game. Mm -hmm. Batman's outfit gets, his suit gets wet. The camera gets little, those little like raindrops that you get. Right. I tried this in the PC version because there's some places when you're in the sewer areas, caves, there's like little waterfalls. I tried walking under it. You just clip through it. There's no splash nope. animation. There's no there's no splashing like 2D graphics. Mm -hmm. Batman suit doesn't change. Nothing. No. So this is really hard to say when it comes to overall recommendation. I, I would say I would say for 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 PS3 era, I go with PS3 for extra content for Return to Arkham. I go with PS4 because it's just the the better functioning version over. I want to say overall. PC even than PS. Overall or? recommendation, I have to give it to the PC version. Because of the physics? No, because of you're taking your original art style and running it at the highest resolution possible with the highest resolution textures with all these things you can, all these aspects of it you can change, being that it's a PC version. Right. Ultra, native ultra-wide support right out of the box. Mm -hmm. Damn good surround sound. Which th th there's really nothing to fucking tweak with surround sound in any of these. But you get good, you, you get surround sound out of any of these versions. And you still get this version via Steam, correct? You still get this version via Steam. Like I said, Black Friday's this week, so you'll probably get it on sale. Twenty yeah, you, bucks, exactly. Yeah, with PS4, you get all the awesome new features of Unreal Four, but you also get a lot of inconsistencies. You get there's inconsistencies in texture resolution. Some will look better on PC, the old PC version. Some will look better. Some will look. Better on PS4. It's inconsistent. But I don't totally count the remaster out the same way a lot of other people do. A lot yeah. of people fucking want to burn their fucking disc just because they changed the goddamn art style and they changed the color palettes. I mean, that's I think it's a neat, neat alternate look. I, I'm saying as long as the booth versions are available. Yes. That's why I think, like, you think of... You think of the Terminator, see T two T two for specifically. You think like the early Blu-rays that has a, it's very akin to what had the VHS and laser disc look. Later Blu-rays was done with a new color, color correction and it's much more of a teal look. Then he gets the 4K edition of Terminator. Is that the one so, they totally shit the bed on? Yeah, it's the color correction is even more extreme at that point, and so all those were, but all those are still available to you. It's all depending on your preference of what you want. Well, none of these are not available. They all sold really well. You can get them. On all, the, all over the place for varying prices. Right. While there's still PS3 and Xbox games at uh, GameStop, you could get those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got, I got Return to Arkham yeah. used for PS4 used one day. They're all still widely available. They're all still easy to procure. So I'm going to say overall recommendation, Arkham Asylum original PC version is still available. I believe any laptop of – or laptop, any computer of the last five, five maybe even seven years. Can handle it. Can handle it at max settings. Um. I will say this. I don't know what the future holds. If a PC port of Return to Arkham comes out and it is worth a fuck, I'm going to say that then. But that doesn't exist right now. <laughs> I will go. I still go back to all these versions, you know? They're all good, no matter what you get. Do you, you think get. they could be able to upscale to 4K at that point then? 
Well, on PC, you could do anything in fucking 4K. That's not even upscaled. Rendered natively at 4K. Right. Yeah, because fucking PC is PC. That's why PC is such a pain in the ass it is. Like, there is a, there is more frustration, but the reward is through the fucking roof. Right. I've been addicted to fucking playing old DOS games on DOSBox this week and just seeing how, like, advanced the sound was for the time when you when you add MIDI support. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Like when you're playing Wolfenstein and Doom. And I got like I got that. a fucking MTU-301, Roland MTU-301 MIDI device emulator that lets you emulate the actual fucking MIDI device that people would use to record music and stuff that you could plug into your computer back that day. And using that for games that supported it, holy shit. Over just your standard sound card or just the regular general MIDI standard that Windows has by default. Mm -hmm. And that many, uh, you know, modern re-release ports of retro games like Duke Nukem 3D and Doom use for their music. Mm -hmm. I mean, those, not so much because that wasn't really, they weren't really designed by it, but there's other MIDI devices out there. If you want to watch that shit, man, LGR, Lazy Game Reviews. Clint from LGR, I fucking love his videos on that. I've been addicted to those lately. Mm-hmm. So what do you think would be the legacy of this game? I think it's going to be the game that saved Batman games. Yeah. It's going to be the game that made you look forward to Batman games. It's going to be the game that made you care about Batman games, and it's going to be the game that made you want the next Batman game. Because, like, as we highlighted in the intro, the, the, because Batman was so hit and miss, and any... I guess it's kind of a high expectation that every Batman game has to live up to the Arkham games in a certain standard, which could be either good or bad. I mean, even the Telltale games, while not the same as Arkham Asylum, did, or the Arkham games overall, did take kind of certain cues from that into those games. We haven't had a major game release when it comes to Batman otherwise outside the series, but... And besides tell- the Telltale game. Besides the Telltale But do you games. think also anyone would Telltale would have given a shit to make a Batman game if the Arkham series wasn't so hot? Probably not. And, I keeping, mean, and keeping Batman games in people's mind? They probably would have found another license because that's what they were doing. Because you had The Walking Dead, Jurassic Park, and Back to the Future. I mean, I could see them doing fucking Ghostbusters before they are doing Batman. And just the fact that this came out when Batman was so hot, right, after the, a year after The Dark Knight, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, this, it's like, and so many versions of Batman were just on my mind in that era. Mm-hmm. Because Batman was hot again. This is the game that brought saved Batman video games and made Batman cool again. Right. And and was the other half of making Batman cool again. The, the first half being the Dark Knight. Right. Which is insanely rewatchable. Like I've been yep. like I've like I've been like that's when I kind of like my go to sleep movie. Like I'll just put that on. And I'll just watch either the Bank Heist or um, Batman getting up Lao back from Hong Kong. It is just such an insanely rewatchable. Just like how this game's insanely replayable. And, um, yes, I think it will go down in history as one of the genre-defining games. Now, you could argue within the confines of the series, which is the best game, which I think we can kind of get into later on. It's so hard to do because I, if it weren't for the fact, if they were to add the fucking gameplay upgrades from Arkham City into this one, I would say this one is the most perfect best one. This is my personal favorite one. Right. Because I do feel that the open world aspect of Arkham City didn't lend itself as well. It do, it did became a little unwieldy. Yeah, too many the the overload of Riddler challenges, and you're constantly ver, versus just, the versus the balance of the story and your dependence on the Batmobile. Yeah, well, that's Arkham Knight. Oh yeah, excuse me. That one too, overloading, and then just the fucking wonkiness of the story with Arkham Knight. Mm. Arkham City story, I understand why there's no citizens around. It's a walled off fucking prison. Right. Oh yeah, we got every citizen off on uh, school buses in, in one night, but we left the criminals. Yeah, because fuck them. That's, that's, that's how Gotham views their criminals right yeah. there. 
Um, I, yeah. I feel this this version works best. I feel Arkham Asylum works best for this for the gameplay they've created. I mean, I, I, unless like you, were, we did have the Catwoman missions in Arkham City, but if you were able to play as Robin or as Nightwing during that, and you had those kind of quests going at the same time, that would make it a little more digestible. That you can say, okay, that these team of crime fighters could handle this entire part of the city at this one night. Yeah, but like. I think the claustrophobic nature of Arkham Asylum just elevates this game. That's to, such an iconic location, too. Yeah. And the exploration of Batman's character, and we've seen so many different iterations of these characters in this one area. I mean, it's like it's like 3D comics, right? There, because you think of comics can do so much more than movies can. Because movies, you have two to three hours worth to tell a story. Comics, you have an ongoing narrative that runs over the course of years, if not decades. Video games is able to have that kind of ability to have control and dig deep in so many different details of their of the series, but you're interactive with it. That's why I think the Arkham games specifically, however, some of like the uh, best iterations of Batman out there, comics included. Definitely. And yeah, and uh, do you have any other final thoughts? Uh, however you want to play Arkham Asylum, just play Arkham Asylum. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, but despite all the things we had, uh, the different iterations, the pros and cons, the different uh, systems you play it on, all of them you're gonna have an enjoyable experience. That's the that's the the wondrous thing about this game. And I can't believe this is ten years old already. I know. I feel so fucking old. Yeah. Thirty five now, and I thought I was old when I was twenty five when this came out. <laughs> You've almost known me for nearly 10 years. <laughs> I take responsibility for some of the gray in your beard. <sighs> Give you responsibility for the gray on my ass. <laughs> Where oh. the shit comes from. <laughs> are, you say, are you relating to me to shit, sir? Yes, sir, I am. <laughs> well then. Well, I hope everyone's enjoyed our... Shit. <laughs> Everyone's enjoyed our shit that we do. Our deep dive onto this video game. I hope... Uh, deep dive in the shit. We didn't lose anybody with our... the With the technical aspect of it. <laughs> near the end right there. So hey, I, I, feel, I feel like it's got to be said, you know? Of course. There is no one version to play of Arkham Asylum. Just right. play Arkham Asylum. That's the point. Now, you don't have any social media to plug, so nah, you don't worry about long. that. Uh, All complaints can be directed towards Tim at Timothy Rooney, too. Well, not really on social media right now, but if you want to follow me on Twitter, by all means, at Timothy Rooney. Just leave him there for when he gets back. Yeah. Um, my YouTube channel, Through Lens Productions, where my latest short film, The Basement, is up, which with more stuff coming along the way. Uh, my other podcast, Please Rewind, the RF Forum Retro Show. Uh, by the time this is recording, our latest episode is our retrospective on Purple Rain, which celebrated its 35-year anniversary this year. Um, if you want to help support the show, leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. and to see you laughing in the purple rain. Purple rain. Purple rain. Uh, I'm going to listen to Morris Day in the time now. Uh, Morris Day in the motherfucking time is always a good time, for sure. And subscribe to the podcast. You never miss an episode. So, Mike, thank you for taking so much time out of your day to do this. Thanks for having me, buddy. And I hope you enjoyed our pretty much our celebration, our 80th birthday celebration for Batman this year is pretty oh, much yeah. of this review. We may do something else Batman-related before the year's out. We'll see. Uh, the year's coming pretty quick, so. Uh, yeah, like we may do a Batman commentary by the end of the year. We'll see. But... No promises there. Come back next time as we continue to talk about geek and pop culture when it comes to the show, and we'll speak to you soon.